everyone welcome to another edition of the pioneer perspective as always my name is brad and i am joined by alex the flying dutchman himself hello hello i'm currently seated you are seated and you're not flying however yeah. you are alex lockthwain now it is official yes i changed it on twitter i thought it was a decent fit but we gotta get you to change it on moto now <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously my arena, I don't even think you could change your name on arena because of course you can't. Like, why would arena have any semblance of functionality, right? And, um, yeah. you know, I th I don't think I'm going to get off my dragon's horde just to change my name. No, no, that's insane. Like, at least with Moto, you can justify it by being like, yeah. I will trade with myself and get rid of all my shit. No, um, I, today, I think in the first time, it, I had one of these promo pack codes lying around when that I won at an FNM. And I think it took me two weeks before I could be bothered to put it in Arena because I just could not be arsed to log in on Arena. Like, yeah. Just, and then I filled it in and I got one pack, just a normal pack. I was like, okay, that's, that's a thing, I guess. So yeah, speaking of Arena being shit, Brad, have you heard the news? Unfortunately. We are getting, you know, how long was Explorer now? How long ago was it? Three months? About three months, I think? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah about. so about three months ago, we got Explorer. And the idea is of Explorer, as you know, most of you probably know, is that it's slowly going to turn into Pioneer. You know, presumably we get, like, anthologies, and then, like, with anthologies, we could put cards in. So that pace... Uh, they currently, I think they're going to add 15 cards in this first anthology. Or or is it 20? Yeah, um, 2, I 4, think it's... 7, 9, 11, um, 14, 16, 18, 19, 20. 20. Cool. So at this pace, <clears throat> we'll have, you know, Pioneer on Arena by about the turn of the century... You know, with this uh, with this speed. So by the time Magic turns roughly 105 years old, we will be able to play Pioneer on Arena, which will probably be functioning just as well as it does now. Um, yeah. So why do I sound like such a Dobby Downer? Well, also because I only had like a few hours of sleep because I had a horrible night. But hey, uh, other than that, also, this anthology sucks dick. Like, and it's not even good at it. Like, I'm not even enjoying it. It's So they've added these 20 cards, and I will just go over them, and you're going to spot some problems here. So we have Favorite Hoplite, Relity Ancestors, Ensoul Artifact, Mausoleum Wanderer, Kalidas Trader of Get, Shadowborn Apostle, um, Tainted Remedy, Alicia Who Smiles at Death, Searing Blood, Teamer Battle Rage, Titan Strength, Back to Nature, Elvish Mystic, Tireless Trekker, Battle Wise Hoplite, you know, Azorius and All Star, Siege Rhino, our favorite card, Slaughter Games, Supreme Verdict, Hangerback Walker, and Darksteel Citadel as a land. Brad, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> so, when we got that initial reveal, Right, of uh, favorite hoplite, um, Kalidas, 
Um, and uh, what? What was the third one? Uh, um, Supreme Verdict. Supreme Verdict. We got that initial reveal where like, holy shit, they're actually giving us good cards. This is this is incredible. And then we see the little teasers, and then the next teaser was like the uh, Team of Battle Rage. It was, and I was like, uh, it seems like a wasted slot, but like, okay, whatever. Sometimes I guess Boros would play it, but it, you really probably shouldn't be playing it over like Invigorator Rampage. You want to give Trample instead, something evasive. Um, and then they showed another teaser, which is Elvish Mystic. And I'm like, oh, this is okay. Okay, cool. We're, we're getting back on track. And then we had the data mine leak. <laughs> and the data mine leak showed all this list. And the first card that I saw in the data mine leak, uh, which, you know, ends up being 100% true, was, was Tainted Remedy. And I was like, excuse me? Has, uh, okay. <clears throat> Let's, if I were to go on Goldfish right now and like, or top eight decks, whatever website you want to go for to search through, you know, tournaments, and I type in the card Tainted Remedy and I look, from the beginning of time of Pioneer's life, I would be shocked to see a single copy in any 75 of a term tournament placing deck or a 5-0 list. No, because at all. Um Vito de Duskrose has this Oh no, wait, it's the opposite. It's when you gain life, they lose life. Yeah, it's for your opponent. This is just Angel's I, tech. Yeah, this I guess. is I guess. Like it's not even a way to rebel. I mean, I'm not going to go into why Tainted Remedy sucks. The card's like seven years old at this point. We all know yeah. why. But but the whole... Yeah, you go first. Let's start with the positives, okay, Alex? Let's start with the positives. We start out strong, okay? Kalita, Supreme Verdict, Favorite Hot Light, Elvish Mystic, and Teamer. Okay, look at those five cards. Teamer's a miss. Before the five cards being hits, you know, that's great. Phenomenal, okay? Really good start. Okay, if, if 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 that was all you saw so far, Alex, with those five cards, wouldn't you agree that this is a great start, right? Um, no, but that's start. just because it's an anthology, and yeah. the whole problem <laughs> with anthologies is that we knew it wasn't going to be a hundred cards, because anthologies are no. always like twenty or forty cards. They even said it's an anthology that is both for explorer and historic. Right, we don't even get a whole anthology for ourselves, you know, because they had to print Chalice of the Void into, <laughs> into historic for some reason. Like that's a whole other bullshit. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> also, they get Tarbogoyf. That's kind of dude. Historic is straight up modern light, like literally. Yeah, right? like, except with like without the. F- Zero Without mana fetches. interaction. Well, like, no, they have um, they have no the zero f- mana counterspell. Yeah, pact of negation, but like, I mm-hmm. mean, no force of negation, no fury, no solitude. Oh, like, just just give it a give it a few months. They're, they're oh yeah, to, they'll have it. all the evoke cards and shit. At this point, anyway. I'm convinced that we're gonna have a functioning modern format on Arena before we get Pioneer because they keep you know, putting the good modern cards in a, into historic. And at one point, people could just, like, do a community thing and be like, hey, build a historic deck, but only do it with modern legal cards. And you can almost play modern on Arena before you can play Pioneer, which is fucking ridiculous. Well, let's look at the first five that I named. Okay. 
favorite hoplite gives us you know a important creature for um uh a few different decks you can play it in auras and you can play it in like heroic style decks okay that's cool we're missing swift spear which is for some reason not in this list but we'll get to that in a bit but you're getting partway there, and I guess you can run Teamer Battle Rage in that list as is well. Is Ethereal Armor right. legal? Like, is that on Arena? No, right? No, it's not. So you're even playing a worse version of Auras. Yeah, you can't even play Auras. Actually, isn't... No, wait. Was No, Ethereal Armor was in a um, Historic Anthology, wasn't it? Is it? Here is the... Right, I'm just going to... Scryfall. <clears throat> there was that show that did on Versus Live, right? Is it legal in Historic or not? Um, ethereal armor. Uh, no, um, alchemy. Nope, it's not explorer, not on arena. Historic. Not All right. Legal. Cool. Fun game we play. All right. So no ethereal armor. So you get a worse version of auras. It was okay, reprinted whatever. in Time Spiral Remastered. <laughs> maybe you were worried about. Maybe you confused it with that. Maybe. So it had a reprint. Who, who was to fucking say? Um. Okay. So we get that. Whatever. Um, then you'll get Kalidus. Kalidus just basically, you know, buffs even more Rakdos midrange uh, in the format. Um, more so than it already was. And it was already one of the top decks, if not the top deck. Uh, Supreme Verdict completes, uh, you know, Azori's control to being 100% Pioneer legal now. It's the full deck. Same thing with Rakdos midrange, actually. Um, really? Both those decks are full powered now in Explorer for their Pioneer counterparts, which were two of the decks that were already really powerful because they were missing both each a single card in Kalidus and Supreme Verdict. And now they're just completely good. Um, and then you get Elvish Mystic, which is, you know, great. You get both dorks now. That's phenomenal. Though one big omission we're seeing is we don't have Nykthos. So you really don't have mono green at full power, and you're also missing Oath of Nissa and things like that. So, okay, whatever. It's we're we're getting there slowly. Maybe the rest of the list will have it, but no, it doesn't. We also get Slaughter Games for some reason. Um, Slaughter Games usually be played at Rakdos uh, for things like Lotus Shield and stuff like sometimes. that. Yeah, but like there's no Bring Delight, so no. So it's not played in Nive. Just come tutor games. up the one off. Uh. Then we get some other decent cards. In blue, we get Insul Artifact and Mausoleum Wanderer. Mausoleum Wanderer basically makes Mono Blue Spirits complete in, uh, in Explorer. Really important. You get Insul Artifact, which creates a new archetype. And they do give us Darksteel Citadel as the land, which is also cool. So Insul is good to go. And I guess, I guess you can play Favorite Hoplite and Insul. And even that fucking random ass Azorius Battlewise Hoplite in an Insole Azorius deck, I suppose, and it'd just be weird. Um, because oh it, no, I mean even for Insole even... variants, there's no Shrapnel Blast, and there's no for the red versions. And what's another card that was missing? Beaumont Courier is Fireblade. I think Ghost Fireblade is also missing. So. Yeah, so you have to go with the Azorius version, pretty much. And then um, with Eater of Virtue, which is okay. People tried it. Yeah. So those, those are pretty much all your hits. Those are all your hits. 
Uh, there are a few other ones that you could argue for them being hits. We'll get to those. Um, I still think Timber Battle Rage is a ridiculous one. Titan Strength is fine. That's he's some play as like a one or two of in, you know, Boros uh, Heroic. Let's go to the top. Let's go back to white. Rally the Ancestors. I mean, cool card. Um, really cool card. I think it's um, missing like half the pieces that make this deck work. Uh, for the original yeah, the ones version. we've had, there's no Cartel Aristocrat, uh, which was in the Upson versions that were popular when Lurus was there. Um, I think there's a one drop missing, but I forgot which one. The Zombies uh, one. Is does... Nantuko Husk in Yeah, in no, the, nope, the, the, there's no Nantuko any... Husk for the Zombie version. Yeah, But I do think recently we got a card that you could replace it with but like th this is why i hate explorer right because you just get into this stupid game of like how can we build these pioneer decks kind of but then someone shows up with a literally perfect 75 of blue white control and you're like what am i doing like why am yeah, i you're spending better off time playing okay rather than playing a a this kind of style deck of like uh row the ancestors zombies and stuff like that which was again a really cool deck you played it for a yeah, little bit awesome. in pioneer and it's fun. Uh, but rather than play a lesser power version of that, you know who you can play, Alex? You can play full-powered Jun Citadel now. Well, no, we don't have fucking uh, Catacomb Scepter, which is a really important card. Well, that wasn't in every version. Oh, and Citadel was all. It was usually Citadel. Citadel it's, in, yeah. it's in every version of Citadel. And do you even have um, the Pseudopark Cutthroat? Uh, no, but it doesn't play that anymore. It oh. plays uh, Innkeeper now. Oh, yeah, instead. just Innkeeper to gain life because it's easier. You don't need to sack out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, then you then you just eventually hit, you know, Mayhem Devil and stuff like that. And it, it keeps yeah, and then you tap the Citadel and you won't tap your opponent. That's Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, um, but no Sifter is pretty big because that makes mana for you and stuff. Um, so right. White's half a hit. Yeah, favorite Hoplite, which is even not the best hit ever. Rally's kind of a miss. Cool card. Black is where we get really fucking weird. You start out so strong. And also, there's only one mythic in this anthology. It's Kalidus. There's nine rares, one mythic. Oh, yeah, the we, we touched on Mausoleum Wanderer, right? Like, that's a very good hit. That's huge. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Finishes blue, uh, mono blue, uh, you know, spirits. Um, we don't have access to Azoria spirits. And Bant's kind of weaker because we're missing Spell Queller. That's a very important <laughs> card uh, for spirits. Um, so you're again, just stuck playing mono blue, they... right? Yeah, but you exactly. don't have you but have you don't have rattle chains. Do you, you have, have rattle chains in the format? Yep, oh, was, that was in in Jumpstart or something. Where the fuck was rattle chains uh, printed? Yeah, I think so. Jumpstart. <clears throat> it's been there for a while, a long while. Um. So yeah, that's great. And Soul's cool. I'm I'm happy with the, I'm happy with the blue picks. Black is weird. You get Kalidus, great pick. Alex, have you ever fucking had a Shadowborn Apostle or a Tainted Remedy cast against you in the entirety that you've played Pioneer? No. Of course I haven't. Uh, we saw Shadowborn Apostle recently. Um, it showed up. There was I completely forgotten what, but there was some deck that ran like eight copies of Shadowborn Apostle or something because <clears throat> it was trying to do something. I, I forgot what it was. Um, oh, I remember because we talked about it on the cast, and you yeah. said it was kind of cute. Um, yeah, there was something cute that they were like, "Ah, Shadowborn Apostle." That that's a cool include here. But I, I oh, forgot. Oh, it was a um was no, it was a uh, what's it called, Alex? A um, uh, Tibble's Trickery deck. 
that like five out or something. Oh yeah, and it ran Shadowborn Apostle because like I think you cast a Shadowborn Apostle and like countered it and it would it. search for a card with a different name. Like you can't hit yeah, a card of the exactly. same name of trickery. So yeah, would... yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But that card's banned in Explorer. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> the only deck it was played in in Pioneer is not legal in Explorer because the card that you abuse with this is banned. Okay. Well, okay. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. And then we have Tainted Remedy, which is an enchantment for those of you who don't know. Um, three mana enchantment says if an opponent would gain life, that player loses that much life instead. Uh, I guess this is your sideboard card for angels. The angels match up, you know, rather than play black and cast removal on the angels because you're in black. Yeah. Also angels has access to, um, what's it called? The, the spirit. Which can exile this. Oh, yeah. And also, a large part of their life gain, like when they go really crazy with their life gain, is based on other life gain, right? It's the thing when, like, you have a splendid angel in play, an end of turn, you get another angel, which triggers your bishop, which mm-hmm. triggers your righteous Valkyrie. But you're not going to get that one because you're not gaining the life. No, but you're not gaining the life because it's tainted remedy. So it's yeah. not even going to hit them as hard as you think it does. And then they, they take still like have eight. A, a fucking angel they can. Yeah, and buff. then they they have like eight, or they just like, they just like hold their bishop of wings because it doesn't do anything, because they probably want to go like turn. They might go like turn two righteous Valkyrie, turn three. Uh, sorry, turn two youthful Valkyrie, turn three righteous Valkyrie. Then you play the tainted remedy, and they're like, guess I'm not playing this live game card. They're like, it, it, it's just stupid, right? Like moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Fuck black is one out of three. That's really bad. And Alex, I'm going to say that red is an 0 for 4 on all these cards. Red got the most color representation for the amount of cards in this in this uh, thing. And they gave us Alicia, who smiles at death, Searing Blood, Teamer Battle Rage, and Titan Strength. You can argue that Titan Strength sees some play in Boros like, Heroic as like a one or two of. And Searing Blood used to be a sideboard card in Burn. But not anymore because you have better removal now. People have opted yeah. for like lava coil for the most part, and we don't really Probably. see as much of the super low to the ground. Um, like you, you could argue this is like red. a one for four <clears throat> with like searing blood being <clears throat> half and titan strength being half. Like maybe, yeah. Because Alicia, <clears throat> Alicia is a card that has a really funny one-two punch combo with the card Master of Cruelties. Which is obviously not on Arena. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what else are you going to do with Alicia? Uh, has anyone ever played Alicia and just brought back a two-power creature and was like, that'll do. Value. Like, like has yeah. anyone ever done that? Yeah, I'm going to play my three-mana 3-2 three, and then pay two mana to get a two-power creature instead of just, which you is, know, spending two mana. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're just spending two mana and casting a creature with two power. Like, yeah, I, I think this is a yeah. really weird one. Um, I, what other rare could they have given us that's not in the format? I mean, um, there's like a million. Like, I, I'm not even... And and, and here is where I, I kind of want to like turn the conversation a little bit because we keep talking about what we would rather have. And, you know, I'm a bit tired of like wizards just doing fuck all 
and then we're supposed to like applaud for them when they do half a thing. Like, no, I look at his anthology and it's like, yeah, gimme Tainted Remedy, gimme Shadowborn Apostle. I just want more. Like, we waited yeah, three months everything. and we got 20 cards. Like, come the fuck on. Like, how is Swift Spear not in this? It has haste, which is in Arena, and it is literally a Soul Scar Mage with haste, and Soul Scar Mage is in Arena. So it's not like they can't make it work. They don't do animations anymore because they can't be fucking bothered. So, and it's not like a common would get an animation anyway. So where's the Swift Spear? Like, what are we waiting for? I, it's, I don't understand what we're waiting for. Like, it's a common. Most people have plenty of common wild cards, so you can't make the stupid argument of like, yeah, but if they drop so many cards on us, who's going to have enough rares? Well, here's the thing. You just temporarily make it way cheaper so people immediately flood on your fucking game mode to play Pioneer, right? Like, you do something like that. You put it in a bundle you can buy. You you have a temporarily wildcard bundle, but it's not ridiculously priced, but you can only spend it on cards from the Pioneer anthologies or what, what the fuck ever, right? I don't care. Just find a way to do it. You're like a billion-dollar company. Just... Figure a fucking way and give me more stuff. Like, I'm happy having Alicia. I see Alicia and I'm like, hey, maybe you could do something in humans, right? There's a lot of humans decks that are getting popular. You've got extraction specialists. Like, is this, like, aggressive extraction specialist or whatever, right? Probably not. But, like, you can you can do things with it. So I'm happy to see Alicia because it's a pretty cool card. Maybe you can figure something out with it. I mean, imagine if this thing did have 200 cards... And we got Alicia and Master of Cruelties. Well, that's an Against yeah. the Odds video, right? But we don't get any of that because we get 20 cards. And most of them being not really recently played things in Pioneer. Like, no one plays Back to Nature anymore because Wilderness Reclamation is not in the format anymore. That's when Back to Nature, uh, Nature is played. Like... I don't understand some of these picks. Tyler's Tracker's cool. You know, that's a cool card. That does see some play sometimes. Cool. Um, Hoplite, or the, the Azorius Hoplite, awful. Why? Siege Rhino, cool. It's it's the Pioneer meme. Fine. Slaughter Games, really only played in Niv. You can't bring Delight for it. Uh, Supreme Verdict, great, amazing, cool. Hanging Back Walker, I, I have not seen that card played since Bliss has been banned. Um, and then Dark Sea Citadel is fine. So, I mean, they give us Hanging Back Walker. Do we have Hardened Scales? Um, uh, maybe that was a <laughs> Jumpstart card. I thought I remember something, hearing something about it that you could, like, play it or whatever. Yes, it's legal and explore. It's it, it was a jumpstart card. Cool. I thought horizons. I'd just look it up very <clears throat> quick. Amount of cards. This might not have been updated with the anthology, so I guess add twenty. Uh, the amount of cards legal in Explorer is five thousand nine hundred and forty. The amount of cards legal in Pioneer is nine thousand one hundred and eighty-six. So again, maybe this is twenty less. Who cares? Um, Amazing. We're three months in. We got 20 cards. 
Let's give him the generous seven cards a month. So, 84 cards per year. Well, are we going to wait, like, 30 years? Like, hurry the fuck up, right? And yeah, in this pace is not something they can do. And in these 3,000 cards, there's plenty of them you can skip. You know, two of them were in this anthology. But, like, there. I mean, I wouldn't want them to skip Tain and Remedy. You can do things with that. I think the Hoplite, you can even argue that it's playable, right? It's the 10th District Legionnaire without haste, but let's say Azorius um, Heroic could be a thing. Um, so, sure, right? Print that one. It's a potentially playable card. But in these roughly 3,000 cards that we're missing, I bet you that 2,000 cards are unplayable. Like, absolute stone-cold draft chef unplayable. Yeah. How many I, cards I were in that. Alchemy Horizons Baldrick's Gate? A lot. <clears throat> Let me just, you know, we'll do it live. Fuck it. Was it it was a full it was a full limited set. Um like packs, right? Baldur's uh Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate. This set had four hundred and thirteen cards. You do this shit three times, and we have all of Pioneer. Yeah, and this is with and this is with development time. These four hundred and thirteen cards had to be made, and some of them are like seventeen sided. So I guess it's more like five hundred cards. Also, so, okay, ty- let's let's backtrack real quick. I really like Blake, uh, Ian Blake, um, or no? Oh, that, he's just he's just a messenger, right? Like, yeah, no, no. But hold on. Remember when he we were doing the they, they had the stream a few months ago talking about the economy and stuff? Oh yeah, when I messaged when I pinged him on Twitter yeah. and he was just and, like, and he said he said on stream, um, that because people were like, why is alchemy not pioneer? Like, why are you not doing? It? And he said, even if the entire alchemy team worked on pioneer instead, we would still not have pioneer on arena. And I'm like, I don't understand that because you just developed a 400 card set for alchemy. Pretty much, in, in yeah. The, in I'm the gonna. Gate and stuff. I'm gonna go out on a whim and say that's a lie. Yeah, like there's no shot. There's, it is either a lie or they are just admitting that they don't give a shit. So it's like, yeah, we could throw the whole team on it, but you know, we just kind of be dicking about without enough resources, so we wouldn't get it done. But saying what that happened you to sets? saying that you couldn't get it done is a lie. Well, obviously, Brad, the time spent on those is spent on alchemy. And instead we haven't of had a remaster set since Kaladesh, and that was in 2020. Yeah, instead of getting a team on to also do alchemy, you know, they bring on, they just have, again, this is not a shit at, at this team, because these people can't do anything about it. They have an X amount of workload, and then some bozo comes up with the brilliant idea of alchemy, and the same team now also has to do alchemy. Instead of, here's a new team for alchemy. So what they do, alchemy the least they have to... Too? Well, th- that was uh, untapped data, which is not Wizards' own data. Theoretically, there could be a giant group of people that plays alchemy that couldn't... I mean, anecd- there's anecdotal evidence, like people are mythic yeah. and they fire up a ranked game and they get matched against someone who's silver after like waiting for five minutes, which basically is just the queuing system giving up and just ignoring rank when matching people because it's going to take too long to get you a game. Um... So, like, which is generally a sign that your game's not very popular. 
but what, okay, just th- this goes to transparency, though. Like this is what we've always wanted from from wizards, and they've given us nuggets of it. And again, it's a thanks daddy economy where they give us a little bit of you know transparency. And we're like, yes, you're yes, you're so brave. Thank you so much, wizards, for giving us a nugget of transparency. Give us the entirety, full player count of all the. F- you have all the data, right, Wizards? You even publicly, oh, like, uh, like uh, someone on Twitter, like a Wizards person, even basically said about that leak or whatever about the uh, the one you were talking about, the uh, the untapped bullshit, where it's like, yeah, this isn't our data though. Okay, then show me your data. Release it. Show me the entirety, I mean, full player they, count. They of don't each do format. it because it's going to be embarrassing. Good. But, it should be. It should yeah. be embarrassing. But you know what's also embarrassing? Releasing anthologies at a 20-card pace for a format you say you plan to have full Pioneer soon. And you promise the Pioneer I mean, uh, Master set in 2020. Even if they don't say soon, if you say that your goal is to have Pioneer on Arena... That's not realistic with the pace. It's not even close to realistic with the pace no. you're going. It's an empty promise, right? Can I also say, by the way, that this bundle, oh, it is going to be available 25,000 gold. Yeah, to get some stinkers. Like, this is, if you're interested in playing Explorer and you play Explorer and any of our listeners play Explorer, that's fine. I think Explorer oh, yeah, play is what cool you want. I'm happy right? to have it. Play it. Play what you want to do. But you know what you should do? Just fucking craft the cards you need because 80% of this thing, we have what? Nine rares and a mythic? We have, <laughs> yes, so yes. half of them. Half of them are rares and a mythic. The other half are commons and uncommons. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> how many you... commons and uncommon wild cards do you have? Hundreds. And I also have Just hundreds of thousands of gold in order to buy packs. Like, I would never... Uh, it's usually... I don't know who, like, there's a group of people that runs out of common and uncommon wild cards. I don't know who it is. I think it's the people who, like, buy the whole set so they get more rares or whatever. Yeah, but, that makes um, sense. <clears throat> but, like... But, okay, like, <sighs> Elvish Mystic, that's a common. Cool. Um, favorite Hoplite, uncommon. Ensel Artifact, uncommon. <laughs> Dark Seal Citadel, uncommon. You can get fucking blue-white, uh, fucking, uh, what's it called? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Ensoul. For for eight uncommon wild cards, uh, you, you, are you gonna play rally? No. Okay, then there's four rares you don't have to craft. Are you gonna use tainted remedy at all? No. Brad, are you gonna play siege rhino? <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna play siege rhino? One of the rares Maybe. is fucking siege rhino. Like, at least don't play a playset, please. Already, if you're already a a blue white control player or a Rakdos mid range player and you have your decks on explore already. You have a whopping total of four wild cards, whether it's four rare for blue control or four mythic for Kalidus. You don't even and, play a playset of Kalidus. Yeah. May, and yeah, you do two. You get two, two or three. Yeah. Like two in the main, two in the side, two, like whatever. And like, if you feel like 25,000 gold is worth those two wild cards, basically, um, that's your prerogative. But just craft just craft the shit like i have the uh the sad and it's actually it's it's gotten me uh this is a funny this is a funny uh detour um i have a bunch of cards coming in the mail for the pokemon gym leader challenge format which i'm interested in playing with a few friends yeah we talked about that last um 
or no, we talked about that on Yeah, but the, I got no, I, no, you know we talked about it on Alex. We talked about it on the fucking the, the commentary thing we did where I lost the file. Yeah, we had some recording issues. Uh, wonderful. Um but because it started because a friend of mine. So I have a I have a group chat with two other friends of mine and we used to do like we were the group that used to like play like you know sit in someone's like attic and sit on the floor and play Yu-Gi-Oh, right? When we were like 12. Right, so we have like a group chat with that, and we usually talk about like if we see some cool Yu-Gi-Oh stuff or whatever, or like see a reference to an old game we played, like that that type of, like shit talking group chat. And one of my friends, he's recently become a dad, and you know, it's child's like a couple months old now, so he you know he actually has more than four hours of sleep every night. And we used to also play Magic for a bit. Like when I just gone into Magic, I played with three friends of mine, and I'm basically a one friend still plays fairly actively but mostly just commander and i'm basically the only one that still plays constructed but he messaged me and he was like hey i kind of want to get into like a card game again and i know he's like sorry i'm not going to recommend mtgo to someone who's like getting back into magic like that's a thing you do when you're into magic and you want to play more you go and play mtgo you suffer through that program but he was like you know i'm thinking of like hearthstone the new expansion looks pretty cool uh, Pokemon's gone online component, right? Um, there's Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Um, but I know there's also Magic Online, you know, Arena. And I just straight up had to say, like, don't. Like, don't don't, don't get into Magic Arena. It sucks. The, the, economy, the economy is so... Yeah, but Magic Online, like, come on. Right? I mean, it's it's also an extent... At least you have renting services. At least yeah, but, you have renting services but, where you don't yeah, but, have to grind. But it's also, you have to keep in mind that he's probably, like, playing with, like, a baby on his lap. You know, just, like, kind of half, you know, keeping his child yeah. entertained, half playing. So you want something that plays easily, right? Like Hearthstone, like Magic Arena, because it does Agreed. play reasonably yeah. smoothly, right? You can just play with your mouse, you just click through it, and if you do it on MTGO, you're gonna have a terrible time. Um, so, I just had to say to him, like just don't get into magic like arena's economy is so bad i cannot reasonably recommend it to you and that's fucking dumb right especially like, as a magic I, content creator. i love magic i'm a content creator for magic he liked magic very much his brother likes magic and i just have to tell him like hey if you just want to play some magic every once in a while right you can you know when you're around we just play some commander or something right could play magic but don't play magic arena and like i'm absolutely the type of the person right i'm again i play a lot of magic i like magic i make content for magic the fact that i'm telling someone not to get into magic says something about how shitty your product is like come the fuck (sighs) on so then we got talking you know what else do you want to play blah 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 we got talking about gym leader challenge format in pokemon because it's a little bit more old school styly uh, kind of like goat format, right? Which feels a little bit more like old school Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. And we got talking about that, and then we got like talking about decks, and you know, now I've got uh, got a Pokemon deck coming in the mail. But like, dude, it's just I'm so sick of these fucking breadcrumbs. They're not even breadcrumbs. They they're not. They're inedible breadcrumbs. It's you you do cyanide. you do three. You skip three of these garbage-ass alchemy sets, and you just put spend this time on putting Pioneer in, and for all intents and purposes, 
you have Pioneer on Arena, right? We don't need some fucking 4-mana, 2-2, haste, gruel shaman from Limited. We don't need these type of cards, right? Nobody cares. Uh, you can add them if you want to, right? They can be put in supplementary products I'm to, like, still, fill up drafts. I'm but still so angry about the whole, like, boasting of our card, you know, you know, engine or whatever we can put cards on so seamlessly. It takes, like, two seconds to program a card into the game, and it's like, okay, then you give us 20 cards. And, I mean, obviously, that has to be true when they can they can program uh, and have it work pretty consistently on launch. Six-sided yeah, I mean, magic cards for alchemy. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like... Like, if you want to add monasteries... Now, I, I know fuck all about programming, right? I'm going to assume you don't have to go into the code to put every individual card in. There has to be, like... We already have prowess and haste. Yeah, exactly. There has to be, like, a builder, right? Like, like when I go into Illustrator to make an image, I don't have to program in that it's going to make an image, right? It gives me a thing that, like, do you want to draw a line from A to B? I cannot imagine that it's not literally just going template, one red, add image, power toughness, literally type in one, two, and then, like, click and drag right this has haste this has prowess go like i can't imagine it's harder than that so where's where's my swift spear where's you know the um i don't know where's some random card from humans where where's mantis rider that's literally flying vigilance haste it's three green evergreen keywords slapped on one card like Jesus Christ, man! It's it's just it's, and they they're not even giving us any remaster sets. I I could I nope. could give them some semblance of understanding, right? If they said, "Here's anthology. We are still working backwards <clears throat> for you know remaster sets, and next one is going to be uh you know like Origins or like our Cons of Tarkir because a lot of the big cards that Pioneer has are is from, from that cons. time. Yeah, but, Delve but, Spells, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm sorry, but even then, that's just slightly bigger breadcrumbs, right? If they, if they want to work you're, backwards yeah, right. and, and give, a, give a draft set, but I will say, yeah, then at least I get the feeling they're working on it. This anthology does not give me the feeling that they're actually working on it. Like, this gives me the feeling that two weeks ago, someone in the office was like, hey, you know, new historic... They had, like, the meeting, right? New historic anthologies. What weird-ass cards are we going to put into historic now? And someone went, like, raised his hand, went like, I thought we were doing one for Explorer 2? And the whole room's just like, oh, yeah, fuck. Hey, uh, Bill, can you can you go off and, like, throw 20 cards in the arena client, please? Thanks. Uh, sir, I've never played Pioneer. That's fine. Just yeah, go on Scryfall. Just, just, just... <laughs> they, they say don't even go on Don't Gatherer. go on Gatherer. Go they on Scryfall. Go, <laughs> go on Scryfall, Goldfish. Go on anything that's not Gatherer. Like, I, oh. believe, I believe currently on Gatherer, it says islands aren't legal in Popper. Like, Gatherer is such a mess. It's insane. But um, it, yeah, I, I don't like, understand. I mean, I do understand. It's 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 all it's all about money. They can milk it. People are gonna just do the lazy thing of 
spending gems or, or gold or whatever to fucking get their cards and they can do this 20 more times and it's it's whatever and uh, you know what also i think it is they they sit there and say we acknowledge that we needed a paper um you know a, a format on arena that mirrors a paper format that's why we're working towards pioneer that's why they made explorer which you know that initial announcement said that they were definitely like committed to it but then the more that they do it they're like well we also still have historic which is the premier format and you could they could try to argue that alchemy is i guess too but historic is the premier format on Ma uh, magic arena and we have to make sure that we give cooler cards to explore i'm sorry to ex uh, historic god these fucking names um to to justify that this is the better format like they're trying to bring people back to that like what cards seriously if you don't play pioneer what cards in this anthologies for Explorer really pull you in Elvis and make mistake? you excited to play the format? Oh, you mean oh, you mean when you're playing historic, this card would make you want to play Pioneer? Yeah, like when you when you're saying uh, historic gets fucking Tarmogoyf and Chalice of the Void. I haven't even seen the rest of the goddamn list because that's out too. Which I'm gonna go look. What is the uh, fucking historic one? Oh, that's gonna be fun. I'm gonna look it up too. Actually, is how, which historic anthology is this gonna be? So I have to look it up. I don't know. It's it's number six. I just typed in. It's from Magic Wizards. Uh, here I can send the link real quick. Hey, I got it. All right, All I'll right. go over it because this is actually. It's probably gonna be full of cool cards because it generally. Cool it is. Do. There's so many rares and mythics. I'm fucking... And, this is so fucking Brad, stupid. It's so many rares and mythics, and it costs the same amount of gold or gems. You get more value of this, this one! See? That's what I'm fucking saying! That's exactly what I'm saying. They are pushing Historic more than Explorer because that's their baby, and they have to justify their actions in some fucking fashion. I think there fashion. are more cards in the, historic, the Pioneer one, though. So there but might the be value, a similar the, amount of... But, but again, no, no, these are cards no you want to have, though. These are cards you want to have. Avacyn, Angel of Hope, Phyrexian Metamorph... I guess Ophio Mancer and Knight of Souls Betrayal, because maybe we ever get cool for Brawl, I guess. Uh, Lelia, the Blade Reforged. People who play Vintage Cube know that one. Uh, Ghost Seen Tie of Life's Origin. Tarmogoyf. Glimpse the Unthinkable. Chalice of the Void. Retrofitter retro Foundry. Oh, it's the same amount, Alex, because they gave, us, they gave them the 10 Artifact Land Cycle. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. Cool. And Affinity's already a deck in in, in is uh, historic. Uh, this is fucking insulting. Could have put the Painlands in the pine in the Explorer one or something. Like this is incredibly insulting. Yeah, they they didn't give Explorer a cycle. Like <laughs> I so fucking stupid like it, this is again <laughs> if you compare these anthologies and you're like okay alex look at the mythics for example do you want to play with kalidus and explorer or do you want to play with avacyn or fucking tarmogoyf in in historic like what card is going to pull at someone's heartstrings more to go play well but brad if you look at like if you want to play some cool jank 
Who are you going to play? The five-color Shrines Commander that has, like, you know, at least maybe you could do something in Brawl, or maybe you can build they, something janky. No, no, janky not even it, Brawl. Or Alex, it Remedy. Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate gave you all the cool fucking gate cards, and that's historic legal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. This is so fucking stupid. And at the same time, I can hardly play Pioneer anywhere because that's going to be the format for the next Pro Tour, but they're not enforcing that most of that tournaments or anything are played in the format. So I have exactly one Pioneer RCQ this year, probably, if I can make it. And it's, like, pretty far away. So, All right. Well, before I give myself a fucking aneurysm, let's move on. Yeah. This is so stupid. This is insulting. You you talked about Wizards would be embarrassed to release their numbers, and I will go back to what I said again. They should be absolutely fucking embarrassed at the way that they're conducting themselves and handling yeah, but this format they won't because in every possible way. Because yeah, I'm pretty sure line, 20, money. Yeah, 2022 is going to be the next, the newest, most profitable of year. Of course. Of course it is. And they just, like, it's... And I've seen this argument too. Now I, I don't know who I saw it on on Twitter, but there was something. Oh, different different rant. Cool. I mean, the title of the episode we already decided beforehand is going to be "Anger is Content." So there you go. Um, was that you got the whole fiasco about the Legends box that they found, right? <laughs> Where they found like the warehouse. whole warehouse of it. Which honestly, I, I believe it. Sure, that can happen, right? You you lose things for you know, a decade uh, or two that, that I, I could honestly see that happening. So they're like, it goes, and I think it only goes in collector boosters. Do you like 25 bucks, ridiculous boosters that you can occasionally have a common from legends in now. Um, right. I think it's, a, I think it's only collector boosters. I have to make no, sure. I'm, they're not. Was it? Yeah. It's, it, there's a 3% chance and they're in regular, uh, sets too or regular packs but they're in regular packs yeah 3% chance of pulling one. Oh. um okay so uh because I saw people complain that they were only going to be in collector boosters so I guess they were wrong but the point still stands because the response that some people got now I thought that it only went in explorer boosters uh, in um collector boosters because like they m- probably just didn't have that many so like it was just like a supply thing and it's like well if you find a bunch of this old legends boosters and you want to do something cool with it you put it in the more premium product because just otherwise half the boxes aren't gonna have legends cards in them because you've ran out you know i thought that was a reasonable that would be a reasonable explanation but what i heard a lot is well yeah but you know wizards is gonna make money they're a company. So they would encourage you to buy the expensive thing, because I think it's not in draft boosters. That might have been the complaint. It's like, oh, we're going to put well, it... I'm, according to Goldfish, um, it says, uh, original Legends cards being inserted into collector boosters at 3% rate. I, oh, I guess it is collector, collector boosters. boosters. So 3% rate. So if you buy a booster box of collector boosters, you might not even get one. Um, because I'm pretty sure those don't come in 36 because otherwise they'd be unaffordable. Um, anyway, point is, they were like, yeah, but Wizards is going to make money. They're a company. Now, with a lot of decisions that Wizards makes, 
that is quote unquote understandable, right? They're a company, they're making profit. They found this book, this whole bunch of legends in a warehouse. This was a freebie. Like, for a lot of things, you have to consider, well, but they like, you know, like you wouldn't give like a whole set for free on Arena because there's development time. This was a freebie. They found these Legends boxes. This was a freebie. They could have, for a change, given that freebie away. Like, hey, this doesn't really cost us anything. It didn't cost us anything to produce it because, you know, these costs were made 20 years ago. So we can, you know, this is a gift from us to you for a change. But no, of course not, because we can't get shit ever, right? We're just going to be squeezed till the end of fucking time because we're just, we're not going to, we don't get anything. We have the most profitable year, but the Legends cards are basically a premium uh card stock still sucks quality insurance like like quality assurance like card stock still sucks um we get not enough resources put into arena uh we still get random nonsense on mtgo like how it was impossible to get certain cards because they don't properly release sets anymore um things like den of the bugbear on moto are 10 bucks because they don't release the challenger decks on moto for some reason right they do all this random well they rather they don't do all these things they should be doing because money 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 your game's called fucking magic the gathering dude like maybe maybe the name of your product should tell you that there is a semblance of community do when the pandemic first hit we had these what was it mystery boosters where they gave yeah. a whole bunch like to every lgs to like help them out and I was like, wow, this is this is Wizards doing the gathering part of their Magic the Gathering. It is the last fucking thing that they did. Like, sorry, these love your LGS things are like cute. But who fucking cares? Right? They're they're kind of meaningless. But they're they're okay, cool. That'd be a fun thing. You know, that'd be a fun thing if you got one every month and not one when they feel like it. Imagine if there was a love your LGS promo every month. That'd be cool. Yeah, they could do it. They could do anything. What do they they could do all of this. I mean, I would just very much like it if they just spend their money on, you know, good cardboard. You know, your game's printed on cardboard and the cardboard is bad. That's like... Can't do that. Being a, being a newspaper and skimming costs on the paper. It's... <laughs> Yeah, sorry, this the, the, the Daily News article is going to be hard to read because we couldn't be bothered to get good ink. And it's like, your product is paper and ink. And you're like, yep. Yep. We ran yep. out of ink. Yeah, and we knew ink we was expensive, man. We blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was enough anger. Well, it's never enough anger at this point. It, it's, it's, sorry, one thing. It's just so demotivating. Like... It's I, I love magic. I still play magic. I, I try and go to every Pioneer FNM I can go to, uh, because I will say paper magic interests me still way more than online magic. I play some MTGO, but like like I have I've had like no motivation to work on decks. Like I have two or three decks that I maintain, 
and that's like my and that's enough to like keep me entertained at FNM so I don't need anything else. And other than that, I'm so just like I can't be bothered to like throw money at these people. Like I yeah, don't buy um... I don't buy product. Like I I don't buy off sometimes a set comes out I buy like a booster. Kind of like to help out the LGS, I guess. Um I mean that's how Adrian is now. He he doesn't touch arena. He like he played magic with me last Friday for the first time at our LGS in like months. He is so turned off to magic right now. He thinks that everything they do is like just cash grab, cash grab, and he's he's basically the same thing. He's like demotivated to he doesn't want to give it's wizards like- money. It's like I understand that most companies are soulless husks that look at that basically you're the product rather than them providing the product. Yeah. But I'll say I'm just getting really fucking tired of it because it's happening constantly and with wizards it is blatantly obvious and if it's pointed out they will outright fucking lie to you. And it's just I I don't I know. Mean... I started playing Magic in 2017 and I felt like when I started playing Magic it wasn't as much that. Like, it probably already was. I just wasn't as enfranchised. There was probably already elements I mean, we, to we it. We didn't have set boosters. We didn't have collector But, boosters like, we didn't have the stuff. 1 million boosters, you know. When I started playing Magic, A, the Revolt had just gotten out. The Masterpieces were just in the draft packs. They were, again, like, the le- they were a freebie. They were like, hey, this yeah. is a set like you're used to, but here's Masterpieces, right? We, we thought we'd do something cool. And uh, here it is. Here's the cool thing. Right, we worked on this for you. You basically get it for free compared to what you had, and now they're like, "Yeah, no inflation. Costs gonna go up eleven percent, or whatever." And they get Co- rid of MSRP, cost- which but like cost of what, bro? Like so paper? Crazy. Like yeah. I play, I pay, I buy a collector's booster. I pay twenty five bucks for ten pieces of paper. I buy a draft booster. I pay three bucks for ten pieces of paper. Where is this 11% coming from? Like, nowhere. Out of your ass. It is coming out of your ass, and I would very much like you to stick it back in. Like, and don't show it to me. It's bullshit. It is frankly bullshit. Yeah. Like, when it comes to paper support, I'm still happy with what they're doing for the most part. Like I am, I'm. I understand product fatigue. I understand way too much shit going on. Um, I understand they're trying to make money. I get it. But you know, challenger decks are awesome. They're making um, the actual like commander precons better and better every time. With you know, far more playable out the box for people to play with. Same thing with the challengers, of course. Um, like they, they, there are things I would like them to change and things that I would like them to address, but. As far as where my happiness goes with like product and stuff, I'm far more content with paper related things and tabletop than anything in, in regards to Magic Online and Arena. And Magic Online, I say, is better than Arena right now, but it's still a far cry from anything else because they 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 did the thing of like with Baldur's Gate and just gave everyone two copies of all the gates and stuff. It's like, okay, well, why don't you just do an emergency set for like some standard stuff or like or just do the same thing for like graveyard trespassers like 20 bucks for no reason all the war of the spark planeswalkers like karn is like 30 bucks yeah, well, uh, they, for they say like, that like because it's not drafted right you keep having these problems that like cards don't enter mtgo anywhere so they make them more common in chests why don't they yeah. do this like regularly they've done it for kappa cannoneer 
Then they did it for Popper. Why don't they do it for the AFR Manlands? Like yeah, or the Warless Park Planeswalkers, or like the Midnight Hunt like, random rares that are expensive. yeah, or like uh, just why not every rare that comes out in new standard sets? Now, it, obviously, it I understand if can... you make everything more common, you basically don't make it more common. However, you are looking at a backlog of like twenty five thousand cards. So if you make yeah. about 60 cards a year more likely to show up, it's going to be very far down the line before that becomes an issue. And hopefully by that time, you know, by the time that becomes an issue, MTGO shouldn't exist anymore. Well, like, I get I can get I I can get a playset of Teferi Hero of Dominaria and a playset of Mox Amber, two cards that would be like $250 in paper to get those four cards. I can get both of those play sets for under 10 ticks on MTGO. Like probably like, I think realistically like eight ticks. Like they're all both like a dollar each. Maybe, maybe Moximer's like two ticks where that's not even the same price of a single graveyard trespasser, a rare from a reason standard set. That's insane. Bone Crusher Giant is a fucking like 30 tick card like what but whatever it there there are good things and bad things unfortunately it feels like there's a lot more bad things but pioneer's still great all that so let's actually talk about pioneer now but of course if you're enjoying the episode so far thank you so much you guys are amazing we appreciate your support if you want to continue supporting the show we do have a Patreon that you can go into, um, which you know helps out the show. You get early access to episodes, things like that, um, and more goodies will be on the way soon. And of course, we have merch on InkGaming.com. There are two links available in the description. The first one is actually a link to go ahead and get stuff, um, you know, like with our faces, like play mats, things like that. The other thing is just an affiliate link that helps with anything you want to get as far as support as well. And of course, Alex is reminding that we have a total of five patrons now, which is wonderful as I'm going into the Patreon website. So thank you so much for your support. It, we appreciate it so much. And we have to say thank you to Will Ferguson, Aaron Garrett, Patrick Newman, Bridger, and Sir Epic. You guys are great. Thank you so much. And of course, Alex, your friend is supporting us over on Anchor. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. And then remember, we are the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. If you want to play some Paper Magic over webcam, if you can't get out to an LGS, uh, or your RCQ is for some reason modern, you don't want to play that, and you're like, well, whatever, and you want to go ahead and play some Paper Magic on webcam, you can just go ahead and link, uh, hit the link down uh, below for uh, the Playaway server. You can also find Alex and I on social media for Alex Lockswain now on Twitter and Bradsver on Twitter as well as reading any of our articles that we have featured on playingpioneer.com and you can find more about us there as well I think that's everything I think so too there you go all right so let's get into actual magic challenges we have some cool ones recently one of my favorite decks it wasn't this weekend. It was the weekend before, I think. Or it was a Saturday. Uh, The 24th. That was a Sunday challenge, I think. Oh, yeah. So recently. Okay. One of my favorite decks of all time being Abzan Greasefang. The one people said were the, was the worst one. And I said no. 
It's my favorite one because it turbos out your combo faster than anything else because you get to look five cards deep with Grizzly Salvage, four cards deep with Seder Wayfinder. You have Can't Stay Away to go ahead and get your Grease Fangs back from the yard if you go over and mill them over. You have Stitcher Supplier to mill over yourself. You have Witherbloom Command to continue milling over yourself. If you go ahead on turn one, mill a land that you need for your three drop, and you go turn two land, Witherbloom Command, and then you mill, grab a land. Perfect. Look at that. This Amazing. list is sexy. So, usually we go to Saturday and then Sunday, but I'll just quickly touch Sunday, second place, but I think you told me that they split. So They did split. Kind of first place, I guess. Uh, Absun Kreisfang by... Whoa. Uh, Kabe Zade Bolo? Kabe Zad Bolo? I, that's probably completely butchered. This list is sexy because it's so clean. The whole main yeah. deck is all four-offs, like the spells. It's four-stitcher supplier... Four Rafines Informant, four Seder Wayfinder, four Grease Fang, four Thoughtseize, four Can't Stay Away, no Sorin, well done. Um, four Grizzly Salvage, four Wither Bloom Command, four Asika's Chariot, and four Perhelion number two. Chef's Kiss. This is a baller of a, side, of a main deck. I love it. They finally figured out that what about we just do play sets of all the good cards? Instead yep. of like weird 2 2 splits, 3 1s, random one off somewhere. No, we just take the cards that are good and do a play set of each. And you win a challenge. Yeah, going 8 and 2. That's a that's a big challenge, too. Eight, ten rounds. Yeah. Technically 11, that. I guess, if they split. I don't know if that one just counts. Oh, no, wait. Yeah. Yeah, because the, cha- the Saturday challenge was won by someone who ended up going 6 and 0. Oh. So the yeah. Saturday. So the Sunday challenge was huge. And sideboard looks good. Three duress for your control matchup, four fatal push, three abrupt decay, two license hearse, uh two graveyard trespasser to be more you know, to give more pressure and some graveyard stuff as well, in addition to the license hearse. And one sovereign console flagship, uh, for I guess other creature matchups to be able to kind of grab that and kind of snipe some stuff. Um, I like the board a lot. Um one thing I would like to see. That I actually run in mine, uh, my list in paper. I want to do this much because um, I, I, I have four of them, but I would probably trim this down a bit. I run a couple. I would run a couple of um, Vanishing Verse for the Mono Green matchup, which is horrendous. Doesn't kill get Karn, Cavalier though. True, it doesn't kill Karn, but I mean, Karn does really suck. Uh, I think that's where your thought seizes and duresses kind of matter. Maybe you don't bring in duress. Um, but, I mean, and nothing else on the board besides so- uh, Sky Sovereign kills Karn, and you can't even activate it. Right? There's no Assassin's Trophy. Abrupt Decay doesn't hit no. it. You're basically relying on Thoughtseize. Um, well, they're basically relying you... on not playing against it, which, if I look at the challenge, was a good call. Yeah. Because there were two copies in the top 32. So maybe you just dodged it. Uh, I mean, that's actually the concept we talked about on last episode, right? When we talked about the control deck. Just being like, you're just going to lose some matchups. Just accept it. Mm-hmm. And this seems like a deck that was like, yeah, the mono green matchup sucks. Maybe the two losses were early rounds to mono green or something. Or like, yeah, it does, that matchup, it does that matchup suck sucks. as far as rules are concerned. So that we're just, colorless is not, you know, mono. Color. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's mono gray. Mono brown, as people would call it when they do the... Uh, Vintage Cube. They play Mono Artifact. Um, but yeah, so just accepting that that matchup is uh, no bueno, 
and winning every other one. Seems like a good plan. Yeah, I think it's great. Celeste is sweet. Big fan of it. Um, I think Witherboom Command is a really, really underrated card. Um, I just wish, just wish it was instant. And I wish oh. instead of minus two, minus one, it was just straight up minus two, minus or minus three, minus one. I wish it was minus two, minus two, instead. That would have been pretty bonkers, though. Because then it and would keep it at sorcery. Extremely consistently kill a one drop and a two drop for your two mana spell, which would be Good. pretty nuts. Like you can yeah. ca- you cast sweepers for boards with two creatures on it sometimes, and this is just a two mana, two mana play. I mean, oh. it, it would kind of be similar to uh, collected brutality. Hmm, that's a thing on the board and a thing in the hand though. So that's tempo, very different tempo wise. You're right. You're right. Same value, but tempo is very valuable. One thing that I've seen from a lot of streamers, uh, Doom makes one of them. Was talking about how Rafine is informant. There's, he's like, there's no way this is your best option for pitching Parhelion or Seeker's Chariot. Um, I think it is, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, two mana, two one loot. It does become a two mana, three two most of the time. True. I mean, a two mana, three two loot is like we're we're getting in like Champion of Wits territory, but then yeah. more stats and two mana. So hey, it's. I mean, I, I I love Abzan. I think it has the best turbo. Um, <clears throat> a two, I a, just a turn two Greasefang into a Perhelion is possible. If you go turn one, Stitcher Supplier hit Perhelion Greasefang, and then you can't stay away on turn two. Ooh. So good, so good. The best. It is uh, a Brown moment. <laughs> that was the one when you played on Moto. But uh, let's head back a little bit and go back to Saturday. I think yep. if we look at the um, at the challenges, I'm trying to see. Oh, we see a we see a trend resurge. So the top eight is Ooh. seven blue decks. Um, it is Azorius Control followed by Mono Red Aggro. Azorius Control Teamer. This is that like Burgy, grinning Ignis like sort of historic import, right? That deck. Uh, fifth place Azorius Control. Sixth, Mono Blue Spirits, followed by Mono Blue Spirits, followed by Blue Red, which I'm just going to assume is Phoenix. It's Phoenix. So what do we see happen when we look at Most Played Card, Brad? Mystical Dispute, Most Played Card, present in 47% of all decks. Because what's the best thing against Blue? Blue. A blue card. (laughs) One thing I do want to touch on it is not this challenge, and it's so it's so refreshing to see, Alex. We can see paper results now. We can see RCQs. Yeah, it was so much harder to scroll down this challenge. Like usually they're at the top because nothing else happens, and now I see all these RCQs and you know all these other and events. Being there's a Pioneer three K I want to touch on real quick. That was uh, on the twenty fourth. RCQ from Forgotten Path Games. First place, I don't know why it's... I think I think it's just the player being cute when they submit their deck list. It's Amulet Titan and Pioneers, what they're calling it. It's just mono green. It is a stock mono green card list <laughs> with your you know, eight dorks, two caryatids, four trolls, one Pulkronos, four calves, four cure, four Karn, four storm. Yeah, these four results Oath, are always a little hard to read. That's what problem is paper on. They generally only post a top eight. 
you don't always see how many people actually played. Like yeah. last week, I looked, I saw the paper events before we recorded, and I saw an R- I think it was an RCQ, and I was like, I wish I would have played in that RCQ because some of those decks, like especially I think the seventh place or eighth place deck was a mono white humans deck. And I was just like, I wish I was playing in this tournament so I could like play against this. It ran, I think it's called Expedition Envoy. It is a hmm. ally from Zendikar. It is a vanilla one mana two one human. Weird. But there are like three one mana two one humans with upside. It even ran one of them. It ran one Dauntless Bodyguard and four of that Envoy. Which, why not start with four bodyguards? It's literally <laughs> strictly yeah, better. It's a weird. The the scout tag doesn't matter. And one has a text box and the other doesn't. So, like, I was like, so that makes me... I mean, not to show on that person, right? I don't know. It could have been a large Maybe they couldn't tournament get event. a hold of them. Exactly. I, it, it gave me the vibe of, like, oh, shit, there's a Pioneer RCQ. What do I play? And someone's like, yeah, Mono White Humans. And he's like, I might have those cards. Right, and that's how they just like ended up. Yeah. They probably like drafted a bunch of battle for Zendikar, and that's why they ended up with. Or that standard format lasted forever, so they probably owned them. So you know, not not to shit on them, but that really made me look at those events and be like, it's hard to draw well, conclusions from those. <laughs> after we touch on some of the challenges, and I guess this RCQ, remind me to talk about my RCQ that I played in because I haven't talked about it on the cast yet. Cool. Um. So, again, going to Saturday, a lot of blue in the top eight. So just a lot of blue-white, right? First place is blue-white control. Third place is blue-white control. Fifth place is blue-white control. We go further down. Tenth place is blue-white control. It was by Goldfish's metric, so maybe some decks should be grouped. But the most played, uh, the most common deck in this top 32. And that's not too surprising, I think. Because this is... The long format, right? Usually the release over the summer is the format that lasts for a long time. That means it's also the format that probably at least tends to be closest to a quote-unquote solved format. And um, I don't mean solved as in, in some games, if a format is solved, it's basically you should play like this one deck and this one deck that counters it, you should play nothing else because it's too good. What I mean by solved in this context is like, we kind of know what the good decks are. Like, you can probably shake it up, but, like, we can know what the good decks are. We can see, like, week after week with lots of Ragdos. We see that, like, Spirits is probably best played mono blue. Like, all these conclusions start being drawn. And that's the best place to start playing a blue-white, a, a, a control deck. So, that's why we see a lot of blue-white all of a sudden. Because people are starting to figure out, hey, if I just put, like, you know, maybe, like... I don't know if it's in these, but like, hey, Dovin's Veto's really good in this format. So I just run a play set of that, and it works well against most decks. Well, the front, if the field is wide open, and you could suddenly be playing against 17 variations of, like, mono aggro, mono creature aggro decks, you don't want to be on the play set of Veto. But once the meta's a bit figured out, you can be on the play set of Veto if you want. I so. love this list that got first place, Alex, because you know why? It's not a fucking Yorian list. Hey. That's I I I am I am a hater of control Yorian. I always have been. 
even when Demir was like, um, or Demir and Verder was like the top list, and everyone, and the commanders came out, everyone's like, yeah, play the uh, play the Orion version. I'm like, yeah, play eighty card yeah, Verder. No, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, this is great. I I love it. I think the three three split of Wandering Emperor Hero is and Teferi is fantastic. I love the two two split of March and Faithful Absence. Um, four absorb, two memory to lose, three verdict, one farewell, four sensor, three Dovin's veto, four portable hole, three sharks, twenty six lands, and some good stuff in the sideboard. This is clean. This is nice. Um, and I know it's there's a, some two and three ofs, but I think it actually is way more clean than it looks. Yeah. Um, it it, it looks like a great control list. It looks consistent. It looks nice. You have a lot of interaction. Um. Shark Typhoon's still great. I, I've, I've always hated when people trimmed on Shark Typhoons. Man, that looks you good. you got to play three or four. Great list. Six and oh. I'm sure this pilot, uh, this, this pilots smoothly. Um, big fan of it. It is, it's great. It makes me, I have all these cards. It makes me want to take apart my commander deck again and replay, make this. put together. Uh, yeah, blue eye control. Yeah, this looks good. Like, great even. Um, just I, I'm just like you, absolutely like Yorion Hater. Um, I don't think the like Teferi Hero of Dominaria deck needs more value, right? No, I want the consistency, um, especially because we look at the sixty card list and we see a fair number of four ofs, right? Four absorb, four portable, especially four portable hole, four sensor. Those are like your sort of like early game punches, right? You want an opening hand with a portable hole and a sensor in it, basically, because that's like the good way to keep yourself from dying. And when the game goes late, you're winning because you're playing blue-white control. So you just want to get to late. So the Yorion deck, even in the main deck, isn't going to be free because you're going to have to look at alternatives and play like Juari Disruption, which I'm personally not a big fan of, or you're running more March of Otherworldly Light where you might more often have to pitch a white card to it because you need that, like, to kill that elf or something. So in that way, I'm just not a fan of going for Yorion because it makes your deck very... Like, again, you said the first place list looks super clean. And then we look at the third place list, which is a Yorion deck, and it still looks pretty clean, but I, I, I see some kinks... Right, especially you suddenly see like a lot of one-offs in the. It's like more one-offs in the sideboard. You do things like one Narset's reversal, when you're playing in a forty-card deck. Again, there is like four portable hole, but four March of Otherworldly Light, probably necessary. Um, I don't know. It doesn't look terrible. I just find it extremely unnecessary. Yeah, I just like you have to run Omen of the Sea now. Um, to to justify your 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 picks pretty much because oh, yeah, that's blinkable, and then you're running. This one's running Jawari disruption instead. Um, I guess instead to be of able sensor. To have, yeah, like I, I don't know. Weird. I, I if you like the Orion version, that's fine. Orion's a good card. I just I don't like Orion stuff in control decks because nope. You just you want to hit your shit. Well, I also hate uh, how bad it makes you post-board. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just significantly less likely to find sideboard cards. Because your deck is 33% larger, but your sideboard doesn't increase to 20 cards. So. Why is there Baneslayer Angel on the side? 
well, because it's I I kind of like that idea with two Bane Slayers and Lyra, because that is just your generic anti-aggro card. It might not be great in a lot of matchups, but it's pretty freaking good in a lot of them. And that's when you know you can run two Bane Slayer, one Lyra. That means you're basically boarding in three Bane Slayer angels in all these matchups, mm. which makes you reasonably likely to find one. So I I I don't hate that. Because I think when you're playing Yorion, you kind of want these like generic strong sideboard cards. So you can bring them in in more matchups. Like, I like Yorion lists generally. Not always, but I like the idea of having quite a few three and four offs in the sideboard, but then picking like slightly like wider applicable cards. Oh, who gives a fuck about the control decks, Alex? Look at fourth place. Who gives a shit about those? Why are we talking about that? We should be talking about fourth place. All right, I mentioned it. This is the deck that we, uh, we've we seen before uh, pop up. This is yeah. basically the historic import. 6-0. You know, Risen Reef, mm-hmm. Grinning Ignis, Bergy, Hazard's Monument, Infinite Mana. Well, not in. Well, could be Infinite Mana. Infinite Mana, draw your whole deck. Win somehow. Valet, Light, of the, devilish light valet. of the Night. I love it. I love it. I I do I do think and maybe Live of the Night having flashback makes it a bit better than Bane, but like if you're going against Blue Light Control, which we see a lot of, um Uh the flashback on Light of the Night does nothing in this deck. Because Light of the Night's flashback isn't another X spell, it is oh, removing royalty right. from planeswalkers. The point you're is right. is that this kills a Lanowar Elf for one mana. But given that it is a one off in the deck, I do not know how relevant I find at least I can see it. Right, you're anticipating something like Monogreen Devotion, you know, either you know having you'd rather have a one mana removal spell for a Lenoir Elf than having zero of them, if you're expecting a card like a deck like Monogreen Devotion. But now that I'm seeing stuff like Blue Light Control, I'd probably be more interested in having a uh, um, having a Banefire in my deck. In order to have that uncounterable wink. Though I it might just not come up that way. Right? This matchup just might not play out that way. Where they allow you to do your thing and then be like, I'll just counter the cart you win with. Like I can imagine it just doesn't work out that way in the matchup, so it doesn't even come up often with light up tonight. You might just win with like Thunderkin Awakener shenanigans or something. Yeah. Or with um just with devilish valet and not like one shotting your opponent, but valet and playing like two or three creatures every turn and just kind of giving them the beats. Because you have like a hazardous monument in play, so they can't really tap out for a supreme verdict early because then you can just go Bergy Ignis win. Yeah. So maybe it's that, right? I And I think a uh, small tip I want to give for people if they play with Banefire, and it does come up that you can go for, like, do your thing. Um, don't make the mistake of going, like, uh, yeah, make infinite mana, X equals 200,000 target you. Because they can Narciss reversal it and kill you. So, if your life total is higher than your opponent's, which, with Prosperous Innkeeper, it will be, because you, you can have 50,000 life, and then just be like, alright, aim at you for 20,000. Like, do try and be specific about that because you also don't want to go, like, one over because even though it's uncounterable, they can still absorb it and gain three life. So you have to be a bit careful about playing that dance with Narset's Reversal and Absorb. The classic, 
you know, Sinister Sabotage or Carnage Tyrant because I just really need an answer. Because you still get the surveil. I think it was a sweet big fan of this. And we just um, see a lot more shit. Like Blue Eye Control, some Phoenix. One of my humans is cool. Um, Monobo Spirits. Um, There's another one on the Mono Green Devotion that puts in one Nickel Bolas Dragon God, so it immediately turns to a four color deck. Love it. I love it. It's great. Big fan. I was uh, thinking about the taking the one that you, you sent me, Alex, and throwing it into my Mono Green deck. Ooh, that'd be cool. You know what I thought about, though, Alex? Yeah. You know what I'm a little disappointed in? Well. You didn't sign your bolus. I did. I did it on the back. Oh, it's on the back? I never took it out of the sleeve. I didn't want to touch it. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure I signed it on the back, but I just didn't want to muck up the car at the front. For the record, oh. for people to know, I send Brad a Nickel Bolas Dragon God for Christmas. So I send him a Christmas card and I put a Nickel Bolas Dragon God in it. I'm pretty sure. I still have it. I'm pretty sure I signed it on the back. <clears throat> so you could know that it was, if you want to like distinguish it from the one that is mine, but in case there would oh, be like did. some reason you didn't want it marked on the front, so I signed it on the back. So you know that that is the one Nicol Bolas. The one, the only. You didn't actually put it in cursive. No, because I'm not that good at... Uh, is it calligraphy? You pronounce it? I don't think cursive is calligraphy, though. Well, it's like fancy writing. I guess. That's just how I interpret it. I thought it was like calligraphy is fancy writing, and I can't do fancy writing. You did the Tomer approach. I'm not sorry, not Tomer. Richard approach on the new Goldfish uh, playmat that they have. Oh, he just wrote his name? Yeah, he, it was, he just put MTG Goldfish, Richard, and a little smiley face. Meanwhile, <laughs> everyone else has actual signatures. Uh, Tomer, Tomer's looks like mine. With basically just says Tomer and then there's a star. Ah. That's what mine is. It's just it's it's a B a cursive B that goes into a inverted star. And then you have Sess looks good, Crims looks good. Um the dude from uh Oh Brewer's Mi- Brewer's, Brewer's Kitchen. Kitchen. I don't know yeah. his name, but slips me. Actually, let me see if I can find the picture of it. But Brad to quickly get to the challenge for one thing uh first of all uh i see which i didn't pay attention to at first um playing pioneer author carnage cards 24th sniff delight um but 23rd place brad you see all this right blue eye blue eye blue eye i think like blue eye control but this deck is just called blue white if i have a guess at what it is It's just blue white? Is it? If I tell you. Uh, it contains the card Haunted Cloak, in case that helps. What? It's blue white Metalwork Colossus, baby. Oh, dude. Hell okay. yeah. Brass Knuckles is so cool. Yeah. Brass Knuckles is awesome. Creates a copy Four of itself. Mana, eight mana value for your Colossus. That's great. Especially because it says just when you cast this spell, copy it. So yeah. you just get two brass knuckles. That's eight CMC worth of non-creature artifacts. 
Um, and you have your metal worker losses. There's some really cool innovations in this. So, like, compared to, like, how you could build this with some new cards. So, metal worker losses, for people who don't know, you're about to learn one of the coolest cards in Magic. 11 mana, 10-10 construct, artifact creature. Metalwork Colossus costs X less to cast, where X is the total converted mana cost of non-creature artifacts you control. Then it has a secondary effect, sacrifice two artifacts, return Metalwork Colossus from your graveyard to your hand. So you play, uh, also you play Glintness Crane, Ingenious Smith, and then just a whole bunch of artifacts that are like non-creature artifacts but there's a lot of cool new additions in here there's moonsnare prototype portable hole um gilded pinions yep which is an artifact an equipment from capenna two mana when enters the battlefield create a treasure equipped creature has flying equipped two prophetic prism we know that one wedding invitation two mana artifact when enters battlefield draw a card tap a sack a creature can be blocked this turn Pretty good for your 10-10. Uh, Haunted Cloak. Three mana equipment with an equip cost of one. Equipped creature has Vigilance, Trample, and Haste. And then Brass Knuckles, as we said, four mana. When you cast it, cop copies itself. It's an equipment with an uh, equipment cost of one. Equipped creature has double strike as long as two or more equipments are equipment are attached to it. So it doesn't even has have to be two Brass Knuckles. Yeah. So what really happens nice. here, it looks really expensive, right? You're playing a bunch of these like clunky cards, but you're playing some non-creatures and like your opponent's not super interested in countering like a Haunted Cloak, right? Or interacting with that. But then, on one turn, you suddenly go zero mana Colossus, spend one mana to equip it with a Haunted Cloak, spend one mana to equip it with a Breast Knuckles, tap, sack my Wedding Invitation, it's unblockable, attack for 20. And what that allowed you to do, how this deck functions, is that it sort of front loads all this mana. So you do have a problem with this deck sometimes. I've played decks similar to this, mostly mono blue, that you're kind of just spinning your wheels early and hoping not to die. But mm. this is reasonably fast, right? Especially with a card like Brass Knuckles now, where you can just play like, you've got Glint Nest Crane and Ingenious Smith. So you've got like an portable hole so like you've got some interaction early you've got a little bit of ramp and then what you can do something you can do post board for example with a card like metallic rebuke mystical dispute is that you front load all your mana and then when you actually try and win winning the game only costs you like two mana and then the rest of your mana can be used to just interact with your opponent so you're kind of spinning you dirtling doing your thing and then suddenly you're right zero mana ten ten your opponent's like i don't know counter it okay cool spend my mana to counter it right counter okay cool spend more mana counter it oh cool i have two mana left you're dead yeah sick this deck is awesome very tempted also, to get this because uh, i have basically everything for this deck oh sanctum of ugin is really sweet should you just grab two colossi yeah also you gotta get the uh you gotta get the Metal War Colossus where it's the the secret layer where it's the um the drawing of like the kids that they did. Uh yeah. It's kind of funny, but I, I love my original Metal War Colossus. This Metal War Colossus is one of these cards um where I had just gotten into the game 
and I saw Metalwork Colossus, and I was like, holy fucking shit, I have to play with this card. Yeah, Adrian played the deck with us in Standard. Yeah, I was just... Like, like I ha- that was just like servo schematic and other nonsense but I was just like holy shit I have to play this deck this is too cool and I'm hitting myself because Haunted Cloak was in the same standard format with Metal War Colossus and I never considered putting these two cards in the deck and I had a deck with Haunted Cloak in it and I had a Metal War Colossus deck and somehow it never clicked to me to put them in the same deck but this person is better at the game than I am so they did <laughs> I mean, remember, we've talked about it before how awful we were at building decks when we oh played my standard God. originally. That that pirate list I had that was, like, trying to be aggro, but also, like, a weird combo with, like, Storm the Vault and shit. It was super fucking weird. I was like, look at all the value I'm making. And then I went back, yeah, and then I played, like... So I was like, I've already been playing deck games like Hearthstone and stuff. And then after playing some Magic, I went back to Hearthstone, and I was like, oh my God, these decks sucked too! <laughs> <laughs> Even with just like knowledge to take with from magic going into this now, like holy shit, this sucks too. Well, uh, go all the way down to the there's a four color ascendancy list that got 32nd, which is super interesting. Um, running Jagatha's Companion, four Paradise Druid, four Sylvan Carry did, and of course, it's running Jessica's Ascendancy, but it's a really interesting take on it. Went four and two, it's running three Camino Spirits. Just one mana, look at the top four cards of your library, maybe reveal an enchantment or land card from among the put in your hand. Um, four consider makes sense. Three dig up, which is oh. the search your library for a, for a basic land card, re, uh, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle it. Or you can cleave, or it's just search your library for a card and then put it into your hand. You don't have to reveal it. And the cleave is uh, one black, black, green. Um, has expedite target creature control gains haste for opt to strangle to claim uh, claim fame one sylvan awakening four treasure cruise two portable hole and four unbridled growth this is really interesting sad to see no man land in this deck like I, I i never and i mean i guess if so many people have tried this deck it's just not good I'm always a little surprised to see no copies of um, what's the Simic Manland, the Hexproof one. Lumbering Falls? I think so. I'm always surprised to see zero Lumbering Falls. Because I remember like Ascendancy style decks in Modern that used to do this with Fairy Conclave, I think. Just cheap mana creature that taps for colored mana and then you can use that to side of kind of go off mm-hmm. especially because that one has hexproof so it can grow really big and then you can even run like a card that says like like something like crash through right just as a one-off you just spin your deck spin your deck okay cool my creature has trample now kill you but i guess that's not good enough or it is because ascendancy generally doesn't do that well but i really like this take let me come back on it i like the i don't know if it's good i'm gonna be honest i don't know if it's good but I like the idea. I see claim the fame. So just putting a bit more emphasis and like that expedite, though it's only a one-off, a little more of an emphasis on those um, on those mana dorks, right? With the Paradise Druid yep. and Sylvan Carried and just doing that. A little more classic four-color Ascendancy. Because when Ascendancy first came out, you know, in, all the way in Tarkir, 
that was before Sylvan Awakening. So it was, I think that was with Fate Stitcher, I was played in Modern, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. was a creature that says tap, untap a permanent. And that, and it had Unearth. So again, there was this creature that could come in with haste, kind of the idea here with Expedite, that you could kind of go off out of nowhere. And that's kind of what this deck is trying, what this deck's trying to do with these mana dorks. I think it's cool take. I love it. Yep. And right above it, we see a uh, Rakdos Sack, 31st, 4 and 2. Jugantha, 4, four Cat, 4 Unlucky Witness, 3 Blood Death Everster, 1 Croxa, 4 Mayhem Devil, 2 Obs, uh, 4 Claims, 1 Eaten Alive, 3 Push, 2 Village Rites, 4 Daily Dispute, 4 Oven, 2 Fable, 22 Lands. This is this is about the list I was I was wanting to run. Um, I think I do like the idea of um, I like four blood diverser and going down to one village rights instead. Um, but I can see this split as well. I think one Crocs is kind of free, um, easy to side out in a lot of matchups as well. And one Ob in the side. I think Ob is too good to not run, and I think Fable is also too good to not run so i think a 2-2 split is appropriate um so i like this a lot big fan of this list but i also am a slut for uh rack the sacrifice because uh it's when i played in my rcq um yeah, let's quickly go over to Saturday, Sunday one, and then we can chat about your RTQ for a minute. Um, obviously, a lot of the stuff we've expected, similar decks. I uh, think I liked seeing six plays mono-white humans. Uh, playing two copies of Wedding Announcement, which you know some people might know for playing Standard. Um, two and a white enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, put an invitation counter on Wedding Announcement. If you attacked with two or more creatures this turn, draw a card. Otherwise, create a 1-1 white human creature token. Then, if wedding announcement has three or more invitation counters on it, transform it. And then when it transforms, it's just a glorious anthem. Just all your creatures have plus one plus one, and that sticks around forever. Um, yeah, it features vampires on the art. I'm going to be honest. I had to read this and be like, wait, this doesn't make vampire tokens? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> it, makes, it makes humans because they're the... Yeah, and they get invited, the and then they're, yeah, they're the food, I guess. Um, which is pretty funny. But, yeah, I think that's a cool card for this deck. Um, does a little bit of, like... It's kind of, like, never bad. If your board's not wide enough because you're not attacking, it gives you tokens to go wide with, which is cool. And once you're going wide enough, you're starting to draw cards, which is cool because you want to draw cards to recover from a potential sweeper that's, like, coming your way because your board's wide enough at this point. So I, th- I think that's a pretty cool include. Um... Once again, this deck has 22 lands and 4 Muta Vaults. Even though the deck has 13 1-drops. So, hope that mana base is serving you well. But that's a gripe I've also often had. And in my experience, it just never worked out. But it seems to work out for other people. So maybe it was just variants. I'd be on like 2. I don't know... I don't know how I feel about the Soldier of the Pantheon pick. It's, it is a 2-1 protection multicolored. Um, but, like, looking at the meta, was it dodge? Like, we're not seeing that much Niv. Rakdos still hits it with, like, Fatal Push and stuff. Um, and, like, 
it's it's one mana like red spells or two mana red spells. It, it only really dodges Dreadbore. Uh, Mono Green doesn't do anything. Uh, Phoenix has a lot of one mana removal like Lightning mm. Axe and things like, like that. Tapping Blood Tithe um, Harvester is pretty cool. Like it, it, it does protection for Blood Tithe Harvester. I also guess. just to straight I, up block it. I mean, the, the I, alternative I, is... Uh, the Envoy doesn't do anything. You've got... Uh, Thraven Inspector doesn't has one power rather than two. So I think they but just wanted to go for But that's fine because you're aggro. playing four Hopeful Initiate. Turn one Hopeful Initiate, turn two uh, Thraven Inspector still pumps it. Doesn't it have to have more greater power? Um, so Hopeful Initiate is one, oh, two. It's greater. So you oh, want, I'm yeah. thinking of I'm thinking of Experiment 1. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Experiment 1. No worries. Um, the other alternatives are Mardu Woe Reaper, which does a little bit of graveyard hate. I think when it enters about it or another warrior enters the battlefield, you can exile a creature exile card from card. a graveyard and gain a life. Um, yep. That's another option. Again, it's pretty minor, but you could. there's metas where that's good. Um, it only hits creatures, which is probably the reason why it's not as interesting. Uh, the other one is Dragon Slayer, which is a 1-mana 2-1 with protection from dragons, and it can block as if it has reach if it's blocking a dragon, which I also think is not super relevant. I can see the Soldier of the Pantheon. I don't think it's a particularly bad pick. But I think you're probably on the same, but you confused the Thraven Inspector Experiment 1 thing. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then Brave the Elements is just a great card. I think it makes your mono green matchup pretty nice because unless they achieve that combo with um, the Chain Veil and like Pestle and Cauldron, um, yeah, you just alpha strike them. You just my board's unblockable yeah, you, now. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, you just yeah, cool. Enjoy your fucking four Cavaliers and like fucking uh, trolls and shit. I will just swing yeah, in and get you. Awesome. Um, also, one thing to keep in mind. I saw this happen on a Twitter screenshot. Mutavolt Scholarless. So it's not a protection yeah. spell if they throw a removal spell at your Mutavolt. Yep. Just just an FYI out there for anyone who's trying to save their Mutavolt with Brave the Elements. You cannot. You can save your Cave of the Frost Dragon because that turns white. So. I like Shevet Dunes. It's a 2 of. Yeah, really cool. Interesting that there's no... Um, what's it called? Um, no... Banalish Marshal. I like that. But I guess I guess that's the choice between playing Mutavolt and not. Yeah, there's 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 a bit with Mutavolt for sure. I think Wedding Infinite uh, announcement does a fine role. It, it opens you up to probably play like an extra copy of Adeline, which is something I'd be happy to do because Adeline is very good. Um, maybe up your land count by one, which is if you run four Mutavolt and a Cave of the Frost Dragon, absolutely something you can get away with. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of Banalish Marshall. Um especially in a Mutavolt deck. So, uh, yeah. absolutely. If the choice is between even two Mutavolt or running a playset of Banalish Marshall, I'm probably on the Mutavolt. Yeah, makes sense. Scroll down a bit. Eighth place. Is it Phoenix with Thing in the Ice instead of Ledger Shredder? But still on the five Delve spells, which was a thing that people started doing when they ran Ledger Shredder, because they were like, well, I'm looting more, so I can get away with an extra Delve spell. But this person decided that I can get away with the extra delve spell, but I'm not going to run Shredder. So, pretty interesting. You, you did miss Rakdos' sack in fifth place when 10-0. and 0. Um, Playing four cat, four Voldaren Epicure, four Mayhem Devils, your creatures. Oh, it is actually and it's going just into Anvil. The, the, yeah, it's in the Anvil plan. So you got claim, two claim, three push, four dispute, three shrapnel blast, 
three experimental synthesizer, four oven, four anvil, and three fable the mirror breaker. Yeah, this deck was good when uh, this deck was good when Lurus was around, but now it's open up to playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Mayhem Devil. You know, well, the ups. reason it's not seeing as much play is because it just makes your Mono Green matchup so much worse because you're on Anvil. Yeah. Um, but with Mono Green and the downswing a little bit because of uh, a lot kinda of like, blue light, kind of like our Grease Fang player, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm just not going to respect that matchup, though. That being said, you have Shrapnel Blast. It's only a three off in this case, but this deck does have the option, as opposed to Grease Fang, to just be like, yeah, Shrapnel Blast, fuck your Garn. And just turn the yeah, artifacts that you can't it, it use does anyway. It the any target thing. Yeah. yeah, so you could just Shrapnel Blast Garn. So honestly, that's still like, there is an out to Karn here. This, this isn't as dead to Karn as it seems, which is pretty cool. You also still claim yeah. the firstborn, even like claim the firstborn like a voracious hydra or something, right? If you can grab that back. Oh, like claiming, yeah, claiming their uh, their troll or their hydra and stuff like that is, is sweet. What happens if you control the troll when it dies? It still goes to them, I think. Give me one second to look that up. Old growth troll. When it dies, if it was a creature, return it to the battlefield. It's an aura enchantment with enchant forest you control, and enchant forest has tap at a green, sacrifices land. I mean, it doesn't strike me. I mean, you'd need to have a forest, but it strikes me as that you get to keep it. It doesn't say, like, under its owner's control or something. Hmm... Let me look at Gather and see if there's a rules for it. Um, Sick tech, you like control... one overgrown overgrown tomb in your deck, even though you're Rakdos. If you control Old Growth if you control but do not own Old Growth Troll, you, not its owner, will return to the battlefield when it dies. You'll choose which forest you control to enchant as it returns to the battlefield. So that's a way to deal with the troll. Yeah. Um... But if you don't control a forest, it just goes to their graveyard instead. Right? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just want to get rid of the thing. Nice. Cool. Did not know that. Hasn't come up that much for me. Because I haven't played Mono Green that much when I'm playing Rakdos. Now you know. Uh, right. Quick thing down. Trying to hurry up a little bit. Tenth place, Mono White Humans with one Pyre of Heroes, which I think is very cute. I don't know if it's good, but it is cute. Um, like the include. Is there more copies in the sideboard? Yeah, there's another one in the sideboard. So it's just like a playing a little bit of a value game, right? Uh, this is the kind of deck where I would actually want to see um, Banalish Marsh. Uh, I mean, your Pyre is a one-off, so you're not going to put a one-off into two drop. Never mind. If you'd be running more Pyre of Heroes, I do like the idea of one Banalish Marshall, because this deck goes reasonably wide. Um, Glag, see some Is it Phoenix with 10 creatures, 4 Shredder, 2 Thing in the Ice, 6 Delve spells. Uh, 12th place, we see Bogles. So, Glade Cover Scout, um, 
and generous visitor. One mana, one one from Kamigawa. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, put a one one counter on target creature. Uh, illuminated virtuoso, light pulse, selfless savior. This is kind of a cute take on um, on auras. Yeah. I see some runes. I see one alpha authority, which is very nice with light pools. Uh, alpha authority is a two mana enchantment that says enchanted creature has hexproof and can be blocked by more than one creature. And if you cast on flinching courage and then go because it's less than right, uh, it's equal Same. or less even. Oh, so you can cast any no, two, no, it's, any of your it two. It says uh, for an aura with mana value less than or equal to. Yeah, less than or equal to. Yeah, so, so you, you cast can a two go, mana you can go artifact. Flinching courage, and then you can get uh, alpha authority. Yeah, but you could even um, grab like a uh, rune of one of your runes, and even then you can grab an out or all yeah, that yeah, glitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm shocked that this deck runs three all that glitters and not four. Like, yeah, you could go down to one rune of might and go four all that glitters. Um, I, I, I guess, I guess the idea is is that you can have. Like. Again, there's two Rune of Might, so that's the rune that gives Trample. Maybe this was a list. It used to run one rune for all the glitters, and it went and it tried to go like, "Hey, but if I just add another rune and take away an yeah. all the glitters, if I draw the rune, I can still get an all that glitters." But and maybe it like you opened card. up some. So yeah, maybe three. it like opened up some different ideas. Like the math worked out, or like they just tried like, "Hey, I'm gonna yeah. run three and then run an extra rune," and it just kind of worked out. Yeah, I get it. That makes yeah. sense. It actually Th this sense. is a deck that would be amazing if we just got the goddamn pain lands and fast lands so you don't have to run four mana confluence in your two color list or a fortified village for that matter. Huh? Honestly, I'd rather just see you are running pathways. You still are doing five planes for Temple Garden. I mean, you could do a couple of check lands, I think. I don't know. I find that a little dodgy. I think this mana base. Why not any of the overgrown farmlands? Why none of those? Is that the slow land? Yeah. Like, I don't think that's that bad. I think your turn one and two are extremely important. I do like Illuminator Virtuoso in this list, though. Yeah, I think that's also a really cool addition because it does get targeted by a spell when you try and throw an aura on it. Mm -hmm. Self the Savior is cool. Obviously, Glade Cover Scout is cool. Forgoing the something tower guard, I think it's called. Yeah, the, the uh, two mana, the, two the one scout. reach hex proof. Yeah, tower scout, yeah, I think. The... But that is green, green in its casting cost, and this deck runs five planes, so you probably do not want to run that card. So they're just basically saying, well, I'm going to run bogles with one bogle and just have other forms of protection for my creatures, which I think is a, uh, I, a good choice. I think this. Alex, I swear, dude, if we get if we get the painlands and the fastlands, and I, I'm still holding out hope, I think the cycle, because they didn't reveal the cycle for Dominator United. They said they usually reveal the land cycle on their first previews. They didn't. Um, so I'm, it makes me feel like the cycle is either something brand new we've never seen or a return to a, a, a cycle reprint that people have been wanting. I think that's the painlands. I really yeah, think that I, we get the. And then next year when we go to Phyrexia, because there's no way we're not going to Phyrexia, we get the rest of the Fastlands. Come on. 
Yeah, Come we on. can. I, I can. I can see the Fastlands and the Brothers War too. Yeah, um, because the Brothers War, I'm assuming, we're gonna have time travel, so this could literally just be like Karn reminiscing, and mm -hmm. that could be like you could see the Fastlands like in his like you know him talking about it. Dude, that'd be so insane, and th I think this deck is legit. Bogles oh. is legit when you have fast like the actual better mana. Brad, I have a really like cool idea what they could do for like a promo with these things or like uh, a special treatment. Imagine uh -huh. you take the lands and it is Karn reminiscing, and the art is in this sort of like foggy aesthetic, like they always oh, do when you yeah. get like flashbacks. Yeah. So you could have cool. this sort of like fog of like Karn talking to you about these places and then you could have like the flavor text of him like talking. That, that'd be cool and you know it's cool they could they you'll be even another, another to expand on that instead of just doing like a fog thing you can have them actually be images within random objects on dominaria so it's like it's like, like he a sees the reflection like water, in and like yeah. that's reflection in the water of that land and then like and then you have like other household items or like whatever that'd be or cool. like books and stuff I mean, you could do multiple. They do. They usually do multiple treatments now for these. Yeah, that could that so. could be like the showcase. Yeah. Wizards, hire me. Hire Alex. This is great. Foggy. Fo we're gonna call it foggy treatment. Um, yes. Bring one again. Seeing a lot of stuff that we've seen before. A lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice. So we're seeing Sacri basically what I'm noticing is there is a lot of. Blue Light Control, Rakdos Midrange, Rakdos Sacrifice, Monobu Spirits, and then just like Jank thrown in. And then some <laughs> Mono Red. There is this. a Demir Midrange list, which is kind of cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll, Shredder, three we'll talk about that in a little bit because one of the mailback questions um, asks about Demir Midrange. So we'll... Uh... Okay. Cool. I found another list that they were referencing, but that list was a little vague because it threw main and sideboard in one list. So, <laughs> so I'll also save this one so we can talk about it a little bit. Cool. I see some Demir Control even, 23rd. Running two Which Soul Demir Shatter. Control? Demir Control is a really good meta call right now if you like playing Control but don't want to play Blue-White because it has a great Blue-White Control matchup. Uh, can I just... How? Like it's been my, my experience that it's all like whenever I played Demir Control because I used to have the deck, I always felt pretty good against Blue White. I mean, yeah, my experience is usually that the matchup is fine, though. Dovin's Veto is a fucking blowout, um, like real nasty card for the matchup. But I always felt like the matchup was like fine. Maybe that's just because I'm playing Grixes and I'm like, you know, giving myself a little bit of a. Uh, golf handicap. style handicap um maybe it's that but the matchup for me always just felt like fine but i wouldn't be like oh there's a bunch of blue white control around i'm gonna sleeve up my demir deck i'm like eh. i'm just gonna yeah, be happy playing i don't think, it's, I don't think that's the pick for yeah it, but i'm saying like if you want to play control and don't want to play blue white demir's not bad because you still have a fairly good matchup against yeah that, exactly that, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah, deck that's, fair. that's fair. and again the rest of the field you're kind of just a control deck More blue white. Check Bant humans, which I still think is the best humans list. I'm just a little surprised 
Sorry, just look at the Tamir list. There's one Fetid Pools and a Xander's Lounge in. But as yeah, far I as I know, there's, there's that. literally zero payoff for having that red mana available to you. Yeah, I, I don't get that. Just run another something? Fetid Pools. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm... No, I'm really not missing something. You're not missing anything. There's no red anywhere on the list. <laughs> no. Because uh, then I saw Path... Brad, did they just make an honest mistake? Like, they have two With Path, Path of Peril. So you'd oh, think it yeah, has to be one be, Rafine's Tower. That should be the Rafine's Tower. Like, that, maybe Yeah, even, I think yeah. that might be it. They might they might have made a mistake. Like, it feels like they, they were just like... You know, maybe they Whoops. could even do that with their one Fetid Pools, right? One Fetid Pools, one Xander's Lounge could just be two Rafine's Tower, and it just, like, sometimes comes up that you actually have yeah. a six-mana Wrath. Yeah, a bit of a funny one. Um, I like Path of Peril. A little bit with, like, the popularity of blue uh, of humans. Even though it doesn't kill their three drops, generally, if you sweep up all their two drops, you're probably okay. Like, you've probably reduced their clock by enough that you're now uh, in a pretty decent spot. God, I love... I love Bant Humans. I'm actually going to change my Bant Coco deck into Bant Humans. Um, I have all the cards now. I, got, I, I picked up four eight, uh, Adeline's you know, the other day. Adeline's sick. Card's so good. I just need to pick up a couple more Werewolf Pack Leaders. I, have, I own two. Um... I need to pick up Hopeful Initiate. I'm not sure what to make of these Hopeful Initiates. Looks fine. I don't the, know. the Shatter effect can come in occasionally. Yeah, true. Like, if you go against... I, I think if you go against Rakdos Sack, that's kind of a bad matchup for this. So having Hopeful Initiate as, like, a main deck Shatter can, like, steal you some games because, like, getting rid of, like, the cat bullshit. Um, or if you go against, like, the, the Anvil version. Yeah, I can I can also see that, like, like, specifically the lines with Werewolf Pack Leader, where Experiment 1 or Hopeful Initiate on turn 1 means you are attacking and drawing a card with Pack Leader on turn 3. Very regular. Well, the cool thing is, experiment one. On oh turn no, wait! One, never mind. Turn two it, it does experiment one. Yeah, but it it doesn't work for um you know, because hopeful initiate is not when it. <laughs> I made the same mistake. It is training when it attacks. So you're yeah. already have, you're already past the point where werewolf pack leader would like pack. Well, actually, that's a nice it. that. But that's a nice turn one, turn two though, because you go turn one, experiment one, turn two, initiate, experiment one grows, um, and then next turn you can attack, grow initiate. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Oh no! You you t that turn you because you'll have turn one experiment one I mean, turn two initiate attack experiment one grow initiate yeah and then the the, the real nuts oh, is... oh no initiate has to attack yeah Fuck. uh but you can go turn one experiment one turn two hopeful initiate plus Kithian. yeah if you have that turn three you swing the initiate grows you flip your Kithian. like who you're not losing that game. The reflector mage is just a good card. Yeah, I wish I wish there was a bit more reason to go into blue, uh, but I will say that um, you got that magpie card. That's a little worse if you don't have like Throbin Inspector, where it's a nice pickup. Uh, that card from that card that people thought was impossible to read. 
from Capenna, the uh, two, three, I think, human. Oh, exile the exile. Old ben, yeah, where things, you exile one of your opponent's creatures and up to one of and one of your creatures if you want, and then if it dies and your creature comes back, it it's not when it dies; it's when it leaves because you can it blink leaves. it. Like that is that's maybe a card you could uh, you could use. So that one's pretty cool. All right, then we got some mono green ramp. I see some Rakdos. I see some mono red, some Rakdos, some Boros, some mono green ramp. Brad, you played an RCQ. Yeah. Tell me about it. I did not top eight, but there's a bit there's a bit more to it. So I was playing Rakdos Sack. This was uh, two weeks ago now. Um, it was uh, the weekend before last. Because today we are recording, it is July 27th. This was on, what, uh, like the 19th or 20th or whatever? 18th, something like that. Anyway, um, I'm playing Rakdos Sack. I get there 10 minutes before, the, before it starts, so... It starts at noon. I get there at 11.50. And I have to... Uh, I was choosing between Rakdos Sack and Mono Green. And I was like, I'll play Mono Green if I can find trades at the place before we start for uh, Chain Veil and uh, Pestle Cauldron, because I had neither. Um, but getting there 10 minutes to go before we start, I did not have time to do that. So I just grabbed a list, filled it out with Rakdos Sack, and said, let's go. Round one, I go against Mono White Humans which is a joke of a matchup as far as humans is concerned. I am sorry. It's basically a buy if you're playing Rakdosak. Yeah, I can, um, I can see why. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of one toughness shit, and uh, I'm just going to, yeah. It, it was pretty yeah, imagine I, if your I, opponent I plays a Chain Whirler every turn, like with yeah. uh, Mayhem Devil. Go with Mayhem Devil. Um, and, and claim the firstborn was also really, really good. Like whenever you played an Adeline, I'm like, I will take that Ooh. with a claim and then I will say goodbye with that. Or I can even swing in with it and then make a one, one. Um, and if they don't block, I have more fodder to sack, which is nice. Um, so that was an easy one. That was a two. Oh, we go into round two and I'm up against Rakdos midrange. Rakdos midrange is also a really good matchup. Basically, if they don't find Kalidus, it's kind of easy to just beat them. Um, and even then, Kalidus is something you can deal with. You can't claim it, unfortunately, but um, but you have ways to kill it. You, you revolting push is pretty easy in in, in sack. Um, Eaten alive is a good card. You have cyborg cards that can kind of you know just steal it, whatever. That kind of thing, which actually I'll get to that in a second. So we uh, it's 1-1. One, one. We go to match, uh, or I'm sorry, round, uh, game three, and I'm on the uh, the play. And uh, I'm running Jagantha as my companion. And we are, we're playing, and I had three, I got him down to six life. He taps out, plays a Grigor Trespasser, um, and he goes up to six life, the Graveyard Trespasser. And I have three one ones. I have a Volta and Epicure, Unlucky Witness, and a Cat on board. 
Um, I'm Hellbent. I top deck. I top deck a Claim the Firstborn. I had four open mana, so I used three open mana to grab Gigantha, use Claim on his Grave of Trespasser, to, and then pitch Gigantha to the cost, swing in for six. Um, uh, exactly. And, and I win. Actually, I think he, no, he was at seven. He was at six, went to seven for graveyard. I actually targeted my own uh, card in my graveyard, one of my creatures, to get another six and then get him for lethal. So I had exactly lethal, and that won me the match. We are going to, uh, we are deciding, and um, we hadn't quite, we hadn't submitted just yet, taking my cards out. And as I'm going through my deck to decide, I realize there is a copy of Karizev's Expertise in my main deck. For those of you who don't know, Gigantha's cost is your, you cannot have any um, double pips of devotion or double pips of mana uh, cost at all of the same color in your main deck for Gigantha to be legal. So because I had Karizev's Expertise in my main deck from boarding it in, um, I could not legally grab Gigantha. Uh, we call Judge. See if we can just backtrack, restart game three, whatever. Judge says, because it was not noticed and the game is already over, we finished match. Uh, we finished the match and I got it 2-1. He said, the results stay as they are. And I'm like, am I allowed to concede it? And he says, technically, because you haven't submitted yet, a player may concede at any moment that they choose. So I conceded to my opponent. I gave him the win. And that put me to 1-1 instead of being 2-0, which really sucked because I thought I played really well that game, that match. I played really tight, made a lot of uh, cool lines, uh, that one included to win the game. But it felt shitty if I would just be like, yeah, I'm going to keep the win, you know, because um, like I could have, but it would have it would have been kind of garbage, I feel like. And also the fact that like. I already had a couple people recognize the playmat and recognize who I was from being there. Um, the public persona part of it would also not look great. Um, so definitely don't want to do that. So that kind of sucked. But um, so I, I go down 1-1. One, one, then go into game uh game three i get paired against mono green i got steamrolled 2-0 but it couldn't do anything by the way just Karn. my mic was off for the previous bit because i'm very good at recording i'm very professional um yep i would have done the same thing like i think you did the, you made the right call right it's just and it just i refrain myself from complaining about companions um just you know it, it because it is and that's not like a general companion complaint, but this is a thing that is sort of like, it. If it doesn't come up, right? If if you have the cards expertise and you don't draw it, then I don't know. It 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 is kind of like a very shitty thing, right? Because there's no way for your opponent to check you on it. Yeah. Like if you play with play it with Luris, and there's like you play a three drop, it's kind of obvious. I think Gigantha's cost is is already like really hard to, uh, really easy to miss. Yeah, that you like board in a two pip card and you suddenly can't play Gigantha anymore. 
because it's just a thing that you never pay attention to really mm-hmm. and then you also have the aspect of like yeah but if i didn't draw expertise i can just play as if my deck's legal even though it isn't even like yeah like you had like unknowingly yeah, I forgot ve- that I signed it, it in. Yeah, it's very easy to suddenly play an illegal deck like without angle shooting or anything. It just happens. You're like, oh shit, I yep. guess my deck is illegal because it's very weird for a magic deck to be illegal if it's got 60 cards in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just blanked. Um, since since then, I've just taken out cards of expertise. It wasn't that great anyway. Um, like, the idea there is kind of cool. Like, you take their thing and then like cast like a village rights or a deadly dispute for free and then sack it. So that's cool, but I think there are just better cards you can go about, like those matchups, like a, uh, like a, um, the epic downfall could easily just be that role. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's there to deal with bigger threats that I can't deal with, and then that just does the same thing and it's legal. So if I had that instead, it would have been fine. Um, because that's also an answer to Kalidus. So yeah, I I lose that. Then I get dumpstered by Mono Green. They had turn three Karn, both games. Ooh. And I mold to five both games. Yeah. Because it was no land, no land, um, one land, game one, on mold five. Then it was no land, no land, one land again, game two. And I was like, that's awesome. Uh, so I, I got steamrolled. I think the, I think the matchup's a bit closer than than how it played for me i had a bad i had bad draws i had bad mulligans uh, unfortunately and also the matchup is hard already um and it would have been better if i had things like epic downfall on the board which i'm going to be doing now or at least more like things like eaten alive for example but whatever also i'd never found thoughtsies as well in those the, the in, in game two which would have helped so that, that that happens so now i'm i'm uh i'm one and two and then I 2-0 Lotus Field after that, which is supposed to be your worst matchup. They just never did anything. Um, game one, I think they kept a bad hand with like, it was like some lands and Sylvan Scrying. Um, like they had a Lotus Field and then they just never found like hidden strings or poor. Like it was just kind of like, they kind of just didn't do anything. And then I, I kind of just played a bunch of creatures and then just kept swinging and beating them down. I think I won by like turn five or six. Uh, just by going Mayhem Devil and like one ones and stuff. Then game two, um, I brought in uh, uh, Damage Spheres and then I had the wonderful, they go, you know, turn three Lotus Field. Play it for no effect either. They didn't have like a two mana spell to cast off their two lands. They just went straight into Lotus Field, and then I went turn three Damning Sphere. And <laughs> they scooped Goodbye. immediately. Yeah, they didn't even play it out. They just scooped because they didn't have any answers in hand. Um, I guess it was it was probably a, a, a tilt scoop because they probably, I would imagine they had a Bosage or two in the deck and they could have maybe yeah. found one. I think it was a tilt scoop. So that, that round was done in like 10 minutes. Like it was it was pretty quick. So I had time to kind of look around and like walk around and look at things. There were like seven Rakdos mid-range decks, five blue light controls, three mono greens, four Phoenix, um, three Boros heroics as I was walking around the tables. Um, 
it was kind of it, it was it was an interesting field. It was about what you expect, I guess. Then, so I'm two two two, round three. I have Rakdos midrange as my opponent, and I two owed him. It wasn't even close. I dumpstered him. It it was never even competitive. I had really good draws, and it was it was kind of easy. But like off the back of what was this like? Just oven draws where you just like kind of nickel and diamond out of the game or yeah i had i had cat oven openings both games um and then going into mayhem devil as well and obnixilis ah yeah no that helps <laughs> so it was really easy um the entire time because this the first thing he we sit down and he's like hey whoever wh- whichever of us wins because i was at, I, I got paired up he was three one and i was two two i was the only pair up and it was like table four um, and he was like, and, and I made, this was a mistake on my part because it, it created a, a really dumb situation that I didn't want to be involved in, which and made him really salty and kind of pissed off at me, but I'll get into it. So we sit down and he's like, yeah, whoever wins between us, um, you can just, we can just, uh, split into a uh, top eight. Cause if you're four, one, you just split next and then you're in. And I, I was like, and my dumb ass said, maybe um, I, I got paired up here. I'm 2-2. Immediately, right out the gate, he's like, do you want to give me the win then? Because mathematically, you pretty much, there's no way you can make top eight. Oh, God. And I was and I was like, uh, I, I don't know. We can talk about that later. I kind of always want to play um, and see how it goes. And throughout the, the, the match, he kept bringing it up like four or five times. Um, and I kept saying, like, I just want to play it out for now. We'll get to it, whatever. And he kept pulling out his phone and looking at the standings. He's like, this is your game winning percentage. These are all the people above you. Mathematically, you have no shot. He basically just kept trying to neg me saying, there's no way you can make it. There's no way you can make it. And he's like, I'll even split the prize with you or whatever, which was like, if he got first place it was like 200 bucks. And I'm like, I don't care about your hundred dollars. And like, I don't even know if you're going to make it like into that spot. And if you get like fourth place, you get like twenty five dollars. Wow! Also, I, I get also because he got down paired. So maybe even if he splits the next round, he might not even make it in. Because he might be yeah. like the person, the four one player with like the worst tiebreakers. Exactly. He already got down paired already. So and so he he keeps bringing that up, and um, after we got a two zero, he's trying to look at or whatever. And then um, so you two owed him. I, I two owed him. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was this. Yeah. And oh. again, it was really easy. And he just keeps trying to say, "There's no way you're going to make it. There's no way you're going to make it." And I'm like, "I don't know. Like, there, like a four, a four two, an X two can make it." Yeah. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. By the way. So. Judge comes over because, ended up we were the last game. That hadn't submitted yet, because I was because I was trying to be like, I don't want to fucking like do this. I don't want to like, because he put me in a really awkward spot, and it was and, it, and I was hard to like just be like, no, without sounding like a dick. Yeah. So it was really weird for me. Um, judge comes over, he's like, hey, what was it? And I was like, we're done. We, I got a I got a two zero. Um, he's trying to convince me to do this. I was just straight up honest with him. He's like, well, I need you guys to submit, and he looks at me. He's like. Would you like to concede the match to him? 
And I kind of pause, and the judge immediately took that one second pause. Was like, take that as a no, and he walked away and submitted it for us. <laughs> the real hero and, was the judge there. Yeah, that's, and then, and then um, the dude across me just kind of really like cool. sighed and got salty that. and was like, "There's no way you're gonna make it anyway, like whatever." And I'm like, "Okay." And then play going to get round the last round three two, and uh, I'm playing against Phoenix. And um, he, uh, I end up losing in match three to Phoenix. Um, just kind of didn't drew, draw that well game three. Um, they had uh, I brought in Hearse. Hearse was okay, but like they they couldn't eventually outvalue the Hearse pretty much because like he didn't even beat me with Phoenix. He beat me with like Ledger Shredders and shit. Um, and like it just drew Treasure Cruise and like had removal for my stuff. So the, the Hearse didn't even really matter that much. Um, he just kind of outvalued me because I, I just kept kind of drawing to lands and I, I did not find cat oven at all that game, which would have been a huge difference maker. And it always is in that, in those grindy matchups. So I lose, I finished three, three, which sucked, but guess what? My opponent and I of that last table, cause he finished four, two, had, we both had the play. exact, he made, he made eighth. We both had the exact same game breaker percentage for opponent game winning percentage, even with me losing. Um, yeah, because so you, you got up paired and won 2-0 in the round before, yeah. which I'm pretty sure is good. I think. I don't know these systems at all. The likelihood that if I won that that round, there was a very good chance yeah, I would have bumped you just top eight. Got an yeah. eight. Yeah. But also, so like... whole thing. Maybe it's just a little bit, but, like, first of all, I've never been interested in this whole, like win percentage math should i like concede should i take a draw whatever like it's never interested me at all because i'm i i play magic to play magic right i don't play magic to play as little magic as possible also so from his point of view why would you want that why would you like why would you get absolutely dumpstered Uh, i would i would feel like a very like i would feel like i kind of rob someone who should have actually been in the top eight yeah, that, that's like, the whole thing I have with it too. That whole like, because there's a lot of, and, and one of the mailback questions we have, we basically, we have three mailback questions and one of them goes to talk about this. So I'll just preface it a little bit because that go, that's about like records and splitting and that sort of thing. Um, I I really just don't sort of like that culture uh, of like, oh, I will, co- I will concede to you so then you top eight and I don't because there's no chance. But it's like, dude, but if I win and neither of us top eight, that's kind of because apparently neither of us deserve to top eight that day, right? Yeah. You don't, you're not entitled to a top eight. The moment you're four and oh, you're not entitled to be six and oh. You're entitled to be four and oh because that's your current record and you're going to have to win the rest of your matches. I am a little more understanding if let's say you're both like uh if you split if you id you're both in right i can kind of get that idea of like you know if yeah. i would head into a top eight you know which i can't say i've done ever i've top 16 a larger tournament but that was i ended 17th i went home checked the reporter and it said i was 16th so i contacted the to and they were like, yeah, someone got disqualified in top eight, so you got bumped up. You can pick up your prize at the next event. And I was like, okay, cool. But um, mm. but 
if you like, so if I would get into a top eight of like some fairly large event or like an RCQ where you're like playing for something that really matters, and in the last round my opponent's like, hey, look, if we ID, we're both in. After like a long day, a lot of practice, I might take the ID. Yeah, if you're the right? two foros at table one, yeah, and then and you just split, split, you, you're, you're, that's fine. Yeah, or if you like, if the if the math, but again, like if the math works out, if you're seventh or eighth or something, I'm like, I don't even know if that's actually how it works out because the math's pretty wild, right? What if mm -hmm. literally everyone below you two O's in that round, right? Yeah, like and something fucky happens and now you're ninth. Like I just never want to be in that position, so I'm just playing the round, right? Because like I I don't like that whole like. To me, it almost feels like fucking win trading. Because if you, mm. like, game your way, especially if you lose a match and then your opponent concedes it to you so you're now declared the winner, and now you're eighth, well, you kind of just robbed that spot of someone who should have actually been eighth, right? Who actually played their rounds, yeah. actually had the wins, they as much wins as is on their match slip, and they should be number eight, but now they're nine and you're eight because you gamed the system. I'd feel a bit like a dick. If I would do yeah. that, because like you're just that's that's just like you're just robbing it of someone. And I I don't know it, it I just, I just wouldn't be very comfortable with it, and especially because people get fucking insufferable around about it. Like as you yeah. said, like your opponent, like people get insufferable about that shit. They are like again uh, on their phone doing all the math and blah blah. blah. Dude, just which again magic, by the way, which which right? the judge flat out said you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. You're not allowed to look at standings at all during a game. No, because that means getting your phone out during a game, which is just not something you're supposed to do. Yeah. Because what if someone is standing behind Brad and is texting you what his hand looks like? Yep. Like, that's just not something you're supposed to do anyway. But even if you print them out, you know, get the fuck away with your calculator. I'm here to play Magic. You know what's a really good way to top eight an event? Don't lose. Just, yeah, just play, play games it. of magic and win them. It's that easy, right? Instead of doing your silly math. Do the math when you're building your mana base, right? Get out your Excel sheets and shit. Just play the fucking game. Yeah, and like, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, like, I have no hard feelings with the guy. I get it. I understand that part of it. Um, but yeah, me too. Some people just really want to win, right? Like, I it matters say, more to people. I... For future reference, if this, if this person happens to be listening or if someone's listening that they, they've done this to someone before, there are ways you can go about doing it. You can bring it up at the beginning of the match, mention it, and, like, give it to your opponent for consideration. That's fine. I mean, it happens in chess as well. Like, anything that has, like, these type of standings and tiebreakers and shit. But then leave it at that until later. Don't keep bringing it up throughout the middle of us playing. And yeah. then also don't neg your opponent by saying you're not going to make it anyway. There's no fucking reason for you to be, even be here and play. Give me the win is basically what it boiled down to. And that kind of it made, it made the entire situation really uncomfortable for me and made it really weird. Yeah. And like, I'm usually pretty good about talking to people about shit. There are a lot of players and a lot of people in general that don't deal with confrontation very well and putting them in that kind of position is not fucking fair to them. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, everything you said, 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I will also sort of preface a little bit, right? If someone does this, 
I don't think you're a terrible person. I would just feel a bit like a dick. But if this is how you go about it and you just like you find a lot of value in like top aging something and that like really matters to you. Again, if you do it in the way that Brad just described, like you bring it up to your opponent, you ask them, do you want to concede the match? They say no. Then you're like, okay. And you just proceed to play a game of magic. You've just brought it up as an option. You've said it to your opponent. If they declined, you just play the match and go about your day without nagging them on. Hey, that's like, that's fine, right? Because having your opponent concede to you is a thing that you're technically allowed to do. You're allowed to bring it up. You're not a bad person for doing that. Like, I wouldn't be very comfortable with doing it. But if you're comfortable with doing it and your opponent's comfortable with conceding a match they actually won, then whatever, right? You're two human beings. You get to make your own decisions. Do what you want. But yeah, if you nag on your opponent and are very... Because I'm pretty sure that's probably what this person was going for, right? That's the real vibes I'm getting off this a little bit. That, like, I get the vibes that they don't... They've done this before. Or they would do this again. Probably. If you're across from someone who's, like, pretty, like, not very good with these things, like, very insecure or something, this is just, like, super fucking dickish to do. Yeah, again, it just... It made it really uncomfortable. And I... Yeah, I, I don't agree with the way it was. It went about. It's whatever. Um, and they they lost the next round anyway. They came up to me before the next round started, being like, "Hey, I think if we both win, we both get top eight because they got paired up the next round." Um, and I was like, "Okay, cool, good luck." And I did that. And I I tried to be nice too. Like when he was packing up, whatever, and he was kind of like being salty. But like when when I didn't give him the win, I was like, "Hey, man, I hope you have a good day." And he kind of stopped and said, yeah, yeah, you too. So, like, I think the kill him with kindness thing kind of worked out yeah. a little bit. But, like, just, I get it. To be competitive in this in this game or any competitive game for that matter, it hurts to lose. When you put prep time and you get ready and you, you're trying to go do something that you want to do, I get it. Like, how do you think I fucking... And also, another reason I was really hesitant to do it is because I just gave someone else a win when technically, legal, like, from a legality standpoint, I didn't have to in, like, two rounds earlier with with the, the Giganta thing. Yeah, like, you could have been 4-2, and, still... and now you're, like, your opponent is basically asking, like, hey, can you turn that 4-2 you had into a 2-4? And yeah. you're like, that kind of sucks. Right? I don't really want to do that. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I was already, like, upset with myself for doing that. I'm like, I don't want to just... There's still a chance I can get in X2. So, yeah, if there's a chance for you to make up for that, like, you know, you did a really noble thing and then still having the chance to make up it, like, how awesome of a story would that have made it, right? Like, I made that mistake in the early round. I was, you know, noble about it. I was, what I, my opinion, fair to my opponent. I gave him the win. But you know what? I played my fucking heart out and I still top eight it. Like, that would have been, like, an awesome story. So, yeah, of course you're working towards... Yeah, magic's all about stories in that regard. So you work towards that. And turns out that conceding round five in a six-round tournament is not a good way of getting that kind of story across. Yeah. But next month, 27th, I have another RCQ I'm going to. Same place. It's a, it's another Pioneer RCQ. And do you know who's joining me on this wonderful RCQ? No, Rose? One of our... No, Rose is all the way fucking in oh, yeah, Long he's, Island. He's, yeah. 
one of our admins on the Playaway Discord server, one of our Patreons here on the Pioneer Perspective, and enigmatic player. Oh, it's Epic. That's fucking cool. Sir Epic. Because he lives in Orlando. Damn, now I I want to be there. Damn it. Yeah. (laughs) I told him, I'm like, hey, there's another one next month. I'm like, you should go. And he's like, send me the details. And I did. And And he's already got approved for the day off. Um, he's got a buddy coming with him as well. So Sick. we're going to be playing the RCQ. And I'm like, if I fucking get paired against you, Epic, I'm going to be so mad because that <laughs> matchup, if you're on, because he's 100% enigmatic, is atrocious for Rakdosak. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, I just go ahead and tutor for like a, a Yasharn or like uh, something. <laughs> and it's like, okay. <laughs> turn, turn three, I tutor up my one of Yasharn out of my deck. And they're like, okay. Okay, I scoop. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I we'll... managed to kill it. All right, I'll get my one-off Kenrith and reanimate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was my RCQ experience. Um, it, it was still a fun time. I had a lot of fun playing. Um, it does give me some insight into the next time. Um, just to kind of tune the list a bit more. Be ready for Mono Green if I see it. Um, and I think I think it's I think it'll, it'll be a good one. I, I, I I'm feeling good about it. I, f- I felt really good about how I played. I thought I played really well. Ran into some bad luck. That's kind of, that's how magic works. Um, so we'll see if I can. I have no doubt of like the ability of how I can pilot that deck. I feel really good about it. And then um, we'll see how it goes next month. Awesome. Um, all right. So I guess for the final bit, we are hopping into the mailbag. We have uh, yep. three questions. Um, so the first one comes from uh, Airbreather5000. This was from last week. Where we, Oh, or is there... There's hate them. Oh, there's one above. We've got four. Okay, let's dive into this real quick. Um, so, yeah, I'll go up to Airbreather in a moment. Right, so hate... hate I completely read over this question. I'm very sorry. Um, Did you react to it? You have, well, okay, I reacted so I... to them, but today I went, before we recorded, I was like, oh, let me have a look at what the mailback questions were again. Uh, and yes. I just completely missed this one. Um, all right. I'm just going to read this out. Stick with me. Um, Haytham asks, I'd be curious to get your insight. Oh, by the way, I see with a flare that you're new to the Discord server. So, hello. Um, I'd be curious to get your insight on what seems like an imbalance to me. It feels like there are always a few exceptions to the rules when cards can fight back against an archetype that should be good against them. Creatures, usually weak to or removal, can be hexproof or indestructible, or prohibited from attacking or blocking. Spells, usually open to be encountered, can be uncounterable. Life gain decks can get shut down by cards that explicitly prevent the strategy. There are a bevy of hate cards that turn off graveyard decks, and I feel this plays out to varying degrees across almost all archetypes. One archetype that feels safe from this phenomenon is sacrifice decks. Other than Yasharn, is there any card in Pioneer that actively punishes or stops sacrifice decks? I can't think of any that punish it the same way other archetypes are punished by exception type cards. Is this a result of Wizard underestimating the power of the archetype? Has the archetype gotten a huge buff recently? And appropriate responses are lagging behind? I know there are favorable and unfavorable matchups for every archetype, but it seems like the only safe from being punished by the other side of the board uh, by an exception card would be sacrifice. Uh, I fully admit, as I have some bias here, as someone who loves Katoffen, <laughs> don't we all? And I know to some degree these types of decks are more popular online than in paper, 
So returning into this online always makes it feel more prevalent than it might be in person. Is it just me, or does the sacrifice archetype have a big leg up on other archetypes because it has few things that can stop it from performing its functions? So, I got a few thoughts while reading, so I'll uh, I'll go first. Yep. Um, I think first of all, sacrifice is interesting because sacrifice isn't as much like one thing. Um, especially because sacrifice often consists of like two things, right? You've got the thing that is sacrificing something and the, and the, the thing that happening. is getting sacrificed. And sometimes even, yeah. And then also a payoff to what do I get from sacrificing? But that could be the sacrificing itself. Let's say like a scry yep. of a woe strider or you're sacrificing an unlucky witness and that is the payoff because it's getting you a card. Um, so sacrifice decks often consist of sort of like multiple moving parts and that can make them hard to build. It can mean that they sometimes lose to themselves because if it consists of an A and a B, well, if you don't draw A, then B doesn't do anything. Um, yep. <clears throat> so it makes them hard to build. It can make them inconsistent, but the payoff is, is that once they start running, sacrifice decks are very hard to interact with. Now, obviously, as you already pointed out, there are not a lot of cards that stop people from sacrificing things other than Yasharn. I think an interesting point with this is, is that sacrifice, I think, has gotten a lot better recently. And a large one in that, for example, is treasures. We've seen loads of treasure cards recently. And actually just so pop by that uh, on uh, the blogger talk, I think it's called, Maro's thing, where he did actually say, like, yeah, we hear your feedback. At least I've heard your feedback that you feel like there's no way to hate on treasures effectively. I'm passing it on. So, hey, there's actually something being done about that. But I think with Sacrifice, there's two things that I can... Well, three things that I can think of that do generally stop Sacrifice, though it can depend on... Um, it can depend on how the sacrifice decks work. So they're not like blanket solutions. But one of them is graveyard hate. And then blanket graveyard hate. Think Leyline of the Void, um, Rest in Peace. Like generally replacement effects for going to the graveyard or Kalidus. Because a lot of the payoffs for sacrificing is if it dies. But if there's a Rest in Peace in play, things don't die, they go to exile. So that would already be a way to go about it. Another one is that sacrifice payoffs can occasionally target players, right? Mayhem Devil has to target you. Priest of the Forgotten Gods has to target you. This means that giving yourself hexproof, admittedly a rare thing, but giving yourself hexproof can be a way to go about it. And then the other one is ways that you can get punished for being targeted. So... Ward, for example, is when your creature gets targeted. So you you can't... Well, you technically can, but... It's very hard to ping down a Graveyard Trespasser with a... Um, with a Mayhem Devil. Because it will trigger Ward three or four times, depending on its size. Um, in that same vein, I think there's Diffusion Sliver. Which basically just says... Um, slivers spell pierce every spell and ability that's thrown at them. So ward two, basically. That makes it really hard to interact with these things. Redain um, says that whenever something, if you play the backside of Redain, well, everything you have takes like a flat one less damage. So Mayhem Devil already doesn't work. 
But even if it would, if they if there's for example a bone crusher giant which says damage can't be prevented, then they also still have to pay one for everything that targets something. So there are ways to go about sacrifice, but it can really differ per sacrifice deck. And I think that in a way is the strength of sacrifice decks. Because sacrifice decks, if you look at individual cards, are often like full of pretty shitty cards. Like Witch's Oven and Cauldron Familiar aren't the best cards by themselves, but they are greater than the sum of their parts. And I think you are correctly pointing out that sacrifice is harder to hate out, but I would argue that's probably the strength of the archetype as a whole, where it its payoff is that it's harder to. The payoff for control is that you get to hold your opponent back and then play a seven mana card and get away with it. The payoff for being sacrificed is that when the engine starts rolling, it's hard to stop. And I think that's just part of what it does. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, Brad. You, I've been rambling for long enough, and you play a lot more of these decks than I do. Yeah, so um, obviously, Bracto Sag is the deck I've been playing the most last few months. Um, played RCQ with it, plan on playing again Racto Sack next month. And there are ways to beat it, just as there are of any deck. Of course, you're far more limited in the sense of, you know, cards that just verbatim say you cannot sacrifice or like it stops that type of interaction. Because Yashar is literally the only one in Pioneer. The only card that says players cannot sacrifice. Um, as like part of a cost. Um, the other thing is there's Karn. Karn shuts down your, uh, which is why Monogreen is a tough matchup. Uh, and I know Karn isn't played everywhere, but if you have a deck that could play Karn, then that just stops your artifacts and things like that from doing things. Stops your treasures from being crea- uh, being used. Stops your blood tokens, which is pretty important in a lot of uh, uh, instances with that deck. Another thing is just it's very good against grindy matchups, so like that's why it's good against Rakdos mid-range. That's why it's fairly okay against Phoenix, things like that, um, where you get into these moments of it being grindy. Now, very aggressive decks can overpower Rakdos. Um, I think Mono Red has a decent shot at it. If you can basically bring in things to just stop the Catam interaction in a lot of cases, if you're an aggro deck, that helps a lot. Now, Alex, I, I do have a question. It's about a rules thing. If mm-hmm. I have a cat, in the, and I should know this because I play the deck, but it, it the, the cat ability can kind of get weird sometimes. Let's say you have a unlicensed Hurst or a um, something that snipes someone from the graveyard. Like, uh, what's the one mm-hmm. from Theros that you like to play? Cling to dust. Cling to dust. If I go ahead and I say, I'm going to use the ability of cat while you have cling to dust or hearse, and I sack the food, and then the cat trigger goes on the stack for it to come in, can you even target it in the graveyard? Because is it, isn't it technically no longer in the graveyard because it's on the stack? Yes. No, the ability is on the stack but the card okay. itself is still in the graveyard. Okay. So you do have the ability to snipe it 
uh, in response to uh, the cat's ability. But I think that uh, before I lose this uh, idea too, because I was trying to think of like what a specific sort of hate thing called. Almost every powerful sacrifice deck is in some way based around activated abilities, is what we mm. call those. So, because you brought up Karn, and I was thinking Stony Silence, and I was like, oh yeah, Stony Silence says the abilities of artifacts can be activated. And strong sacrifice decks are almost always based on activated abilities, like um, Cartel Aristocrat, Woe Strider, uh, Viscera Seer, just that one's not legal in the format, but um, Nantuko Husk. Like, it's almost always based on activated abilities. And there are hate cards for that. As a matter of fact, in Pioneer, there's four. So there's Phyrexian Revoker, Pithing Needle, and Sorcerer Spyglass that just say, name a card, and activated abilities of that card can be activated. You know, there you go. There's also um, newer Scheming Fence. Yeah, Scheming Fence, about to bring that one up. I love that card. I pulled it from a pack, and I was like, I want to play with this. This basically steals an activated ability. But... Important with Scheming Fence, it only steals it off that one permanent you're targeting. So if your opponent has two Llanowar Elves and you Scheming Fence, their Llanowar Elf, one of them, they could just active. They can still activate the other one. Mm -hmm. With the cool exception is that Scheming Fence can steal mana abilities, which activated abilities usually can't. Like it almost always says, um, unless they are mana abilities. Because otherwise... Pithing Needle could name Forest, and now your mono green deck doesn't generate any mana. So that's generally the exception. But that's a kind of card you can look out for, because there are historic examples of cards like this, like Suppression Field, which just says activated abilities cost two more. And again, with Scheming Fence, we see that there is a willingness for Wizards to print cards like that. So if you want to hate out on... Uh, actually, I'm going on too much of a tangent. You finish whatever thoughts you had first. So, I agree with you in the sense of, like, playing a graveyard hate is good against it. Um, one thing when it comes to Cat Oven in particular, because, I mean, that's what makes the games go longer. It's what makes the games kind of grind a bit more. Um, and then when you're able to get, like, Mayhem Devil down, then you can, you know, get two triggers on Mayhem Devil. If you have multiple cats or multiple ovens, you can get four uh, off a single thing of sacrificing. And that can just ping down your opponent's board and things like that. So shutting down Cat Oven comes more down to shutting down the oven and not the cat. Because the cat by itself is just a 1-1. One, one, and it's like, cool. It's just a 1-1. One, one. And against Rakdos, for example, your only real way of like generating food is from the oven. If you're playing against Jund, then they have, you know, the uh, they have the enchantment, um, Trail of Crumbs, they have Gilded Goose, as well as Witch's Oven. So, a bit more food generation. But if you're playing against Rakdos, which is far more the more popular version, shutting down the oven by either removing it with a shatter effect, like Braid or Erase, whatever, or turning it off with something like Pithing Needle, Spyglass, Phyrexian Revoker is far more beneficial for you than trying to time the removal of the cat in the graveyard um, or blanket grave remove or graveyard hate because a rest in peace against a, um, a Rakdos deck 
isn't that bad. It really isn't. Because you can still kind of just play through it. You lose your cat thing, and you lose a lucky lucky witness triggering. But I played against, I'll put it this way, round one, my RCQ, when I played against Mono White, game two, because I got the the match 2-0, game two, he dropped a turn two, rest in peace. I still won. Because you have access to, like, claim and, like, village rights or sacking their stuff and just flat out beating them down and controlling their board. It was still kind of fine. It wasn't the NLB all. So you need something that... it goes definitely, in with your game plan. It definitely depends on the kind of deck. So that's why I'm trying to say, like, there's things you could do against sacrifice decks, but you do have, need, like, the right tool for the right job. Where, like, yeah. rest in peace, you just bring it in against, like, any graveyard deck, and you're never, like, really wrong with rest in peace. Depending on the type of sacrifice deck your opponent is playing, you can absolutely just be completely wrong by putting in Rest in Peace. It can make your deck actively worse by putting in Rest in Peace. If you're against a dedicated graveyard deck, your deck probably never gets worse by putting in Rest in Peace. So it takes a lot of work from you, too, in order to deal with these Mm. decks. Yeah. Uh, I think also, this is always a thing I want to point out rules-wise... Uh, because when you hear this and you're like, hey, Pithing Needle, cannot name treasures, nor can it name food. Mm-hmm. Uh, just important note that Phyrexian Revoker, Pithing Needle, and Sorcerer Spyglass have to target, um, have to name a card. And a token isn't a card. Like, treasure, there's not a card named treasure. Yeah, exactly. it's a token. You generate a token. It's a piece of cardboard, but it is not a Magic Gathering card. So you have to keep that in mind that you, if your opponent has a million treasures and you have a Sorcerer's Spyglass and your opponent's like, yeah, fine, it resolves, you can't blow them out by naming treasures. Hilariously, you can name Fabled Passage if they have it in play. Because it's not a mana ability. It is an ability to get yourself a land. This is yeah. uh, when Ursa Saga came fun. out in Modern... A lot of people had Pithing Needle in their deck. Because people would have like two polluted deltas so to crack on your opponent's end step or something. You're like, Urza Saga? Yeah? Resolves? Yeah? Okay? Cool. Pithing Needle name polluted delta. And people are like, oh. Oops. <laughs> I have no mana now. Yeah. Better put Urborg so, in my deck. There are other ways in attacking uh, Sacrifice. But Sacrifice is just one of those decks where it Unless you're going up against that straight up Yasharn or Karn, it's not a bad matchup, but it's certainly not unbeatable. It, it is a, about a, a lot of variance. You do have to like you know, you know, draw well, um, and you have to get your payoffs and things like that. And it's really good at making the game go longer. But if you're able to make them stumble by getting rid of their Witch's Oven, um, or turning it off completely with like a Pithy Needle. Um, that can buy you time to just fill your board as well. And just practice the matchup. Find someone you know that has the deck um, or even go into like a play lobby on like Moto and be like, hey, if someone has Rakdos uh, Sack, please join. That kind of thing. Um, and just practice the matchup. Find the lines, understand it, or even play the deck yourself and find more lines of like yeah. from a pilot's perspective. Yeah. Because it goes along. Sacrifice, sacrifice decks are very finicky. And that makes them, and again, 
like we said too, is that not every sacrifice deck is the same. That also means that it can be it can be hard to have um, sort of like rules going into a sacrifice deck. So if your opponent, if you would sit across from your opponent and they would tell you like, I'm playing a control deck, you know, you get certain ideas of what you should be doing. And these ideas are generally more correct than the ideas you might get if your opponent's saying, well, I'm playing a sacrifice deck. And that's still like kind of so open-ended that like a fatal push can either be the best card in your deck or the worst card in your deck. Yeah, anyway, I think that's, uh, that's the answer. Move on. So we have Air Breather 5000, also with a uh, long piece, but a lot of it is just coming back from last week where we talked about the Grixis deck they had, a little bit, you know, some piece of information what they got. They came up with, like, um, with, like, uh, an Izzet control deck based around Chandra Awaken Inferno, and then they're running cards like Ionize and that sort of shit. So, so Ionize would be, like, your counter spell, but it burns, so it works together with Chandra. And this is kind of what we were talking about, like going towards the game plan. They looked at their Grixis list, they shorted it up a little bit. Um, you know, list looks a little cleaner, a bit more two offs, a bit fewer one offs, good stuff. But um, they just gave, wanted to give that bit of an update because we spent a lot of time on it. But then they yeah. ask a question at the end. So I am, however, curious to get your thoughts on the Demir mid-range list that got second place at DreamHack a few weeks back. It had access to some great creatures and sideboard options. I tried to find this list, and it gave me a 75-card list not split up in main deck and sideboard. Now <laughs> I could find it. So, uh, I mean, I can have a guess about what was in the sideboard, seeing as there's negates and tests of talent and stuff. Uh, but I think, also for the sake of time, because this recording has been long, um, I think it's better to just kind of talk about Demir mid-range in general. We also saw it by screenwriter NY, um, ending 20th in the Sunday challenge. Yep. With the idea there's a Scarab God, like this, this, this is just this, the list from the challenge was just a pile, but like in the best way possible. Uh, one Sorin, one Kaido, one Scarab God, one Tessiger, one Torrential Gear Hulk, one Kalidus. And then it was three Graveyard Trespasser, four Ledger Shredder, and just like a bunch of removal and card draw. Um, kind of my... I try to put some thought into this. Generally, my view on Demir midrange is that it is just like Rakdos midrange at home. Do like it a is large worse. Degree. No, no fable to just kind of do filtering card draw. You don't have the nice cool combo of uh, Blood of Harvester and Fable. Harvester is just a really good two drop in general. It gives you that flexibility of being a bit more aggressive. Sure, you have Wedge Shredder, but Wedge Shredder ha- being able to become a three five to have that three toughness as a flyer or three powers of flyer uh, to kind of be similar to um, Blood of Harvester takes a bit. But it does have evasiveness. Um, Trespasser is still good. Kalidus is still fine. Scarab God is a cool pick. Um, Tassiker is cool as well. I mean, you have access to a lot of stuff that are available in Rakdos. Kaido is a great card. I think you should play more than one. Um, I don't understand why you're only playing one. It's a little weird. I would be much more inclined to play two Kaido over the split of one and one with Soren for this particular list. But yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's definitely Rakdos at home. Um, you get counter magic, 
you still get some disruption. You have Fatal Push, you have Spell Pierce, you have Consider to kind of dig deeper. You do have access to Treasure Cruise or Dig Through Time if you want to go with that route as well. We see two Treasure Cruise in this particular list. Um, but I just think Rakdos is a bit more consistent, I guess. I mean, the red and, cards are just really good. Like yeah. Fable, Chandra... Uh, Blood Tithe Harvester, as you pointed out, you get some options Croxa. from your sideboard. Croxa, Coligan's Command, a Braid, uh, Dreadbore as a removal spell, rather than like messing around with like drowning the lock and stuff. Which, you know, I think in a uh, in a unlicensed Hearse kind of world, I wouldn't want to be playing drowning the lock, especially not in the same deck. So, I, I don't know. The blue is just. It's just not really worth it compared to the red. I think it's fine, right? If we just look at the mirror mid-range itself, I think it's okay. Uh, I think there's also yeah. interesting ways you can go about it. For example, I see this a lot. I see Graveyard Trespasser, uh, and it tries to do sort of that big thing that Rectal's mid-range tries to do. I can also totally imagine just playing this with, like, four Glinsleaf Siphoner, four Kaido. And have your removal, yeah, just like a bunch of like your spell pierces, thought seizes, main like this, like that. That's yeah. Kaido should be your fable replacement. I think that's a good way to put it. And then you don't go big, but you generate card advantage in some way. Again, like you know, four Glinsleaf Siphoner, four Ledger Shredder, four Kaido. No, no Bone Crusher Giant in, in, in this either. Oh, I have that too. So flexible. Like, like again, the archetype's fine. So much. Uh, I can imagine that there are certain matchups, like uh, Lotus, might be more favorable for this deck than it is for Rakdos, for example, mm -hmm. because Counter Magic is very valuable in that matchup. And there might be some other matchups. Uh, obviously, you can counter Supreme Verdict, which is a bit of a bummer if you're considering Blue White. Uh, but even like you know, you going to combat against a Wandering Emperor potentially with a spell pierce in hand right that type of thing can be really powerful coming out of the uh Demir deck but i think rakdos just gets a lot of value out of just raw good cards like every card in the deck is just good it's what we talked about i think two weeks ago where it was like some people keep calling this deck bad but it's average top deck is just really good because it's just bunch of like a good, good bunch cards. of good cards of medium mana value. So you can probably always cast them. And that's just a good thing to be doing. And this deck tries to do the same thing, but the cards it draws are just less good. Yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, you should be playing four Kaido. It's just so good. Um, I don't like Gear Hulk in this, really. Um, Scarab God's fine. Cool top end. Cletus is fine. Still a good card. Tassiger's cute with like the Delirium stuff. Oh, not Delirium, sorry, Delve. Uh, this list I think is not very refined. I think there's a way to clean up this list a bit. It went seven and three. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Still a, a good showing. Um, but I would, I, there, there's a way to build it to make it better, but it's just how much better is it than. Rakdos mid-range, if at all. And I think right now, 
It's not. No. So I agree. Um, I'll be over to the third question by Sir Epic, and I touched on this. This has a little bit to do with like the, uh, you know, tournament math type of thing. Uh, here's a question and a bit of a discussion for you guys. How much do you guys value a five-round tournament? To me, at this point, I don't value them as high as I used to because it feels really easy to get favorable matchups in your first three rounds and then just draw into top eight. I feel like you need six rounds at a minimum to get a real feel of the quality of the deck that you are playing and to get better quality matchups. Granted, this may just be innate difference between FNMs and RCQs. I don't know where you guys get your five rounds FNMs from, but um, I, I've heard people, I generally don't always have four round FNMs, but, but personally... I am learning very quickly that if I want to do higher quality testing, FNMs are not the place to go, and you're better off testing directly with a friend or a group or online. What are your thoughts on all this? You go first, Brad. With the last statement, 100%. Um, FNMs are great, they're fun, but unless you're in an LGS environment where you have longer rounds, I don't think there's, I don't think it's so much of a thing about it being five rounds being the, the drawback of an FNM. It's the quality of decks you go against. Because there's a lot of people that might just go, I need to grab a challenger deck, let's play with that, or let's borrow a deck, or let's play with something that's a bit more budget-friendly, like I'll play like Mono White Humans, or like maybe I'll play Lotus, um, which you know, is still a deck you see a lot, but how many people are going to be playing Ractus Midrange, or Mono Green Karn, um, Is a Phoenix? These these decks are a, a bit more expensive to the average person at FNM, and how many more of like random brews are you going to see? Like Minotaurs with uh, <laughs> the 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 Belled War Cry, Death Battle War Cry, yeah, yeah. So, how much of that you're gonna see? Probably, you know, more jank than you would normally see like online. Um, so I 100% agree with the idea that the uh, for competitive uh, elements of that testing you want, it is better to go to better events. Or just play directly with a friend that you know, like they have these kind of decks or whatever, or go online. Like that, I agree with 100%. And as far as the five round thing goes, there's not very many RCQs you're going to go to or higher quality events that are going to be five rounds or under six rounds. Um, I did see some people on Twitter going like they were at like a 12 person RCQ. Actually, Doomwake was at a 12 person RCQ. Um, I, think yeah. he, I think he just didn't do very well and, and didn't even get top eight at that. Um, unfortunately, but like, that's a, that's twelve person. That's insane. Mine was thirty seven um, when I went uh, six rounds, but for the most part, I'm seeing a lot of like higher round uh, events for those. So, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the five round thing. Yes, you can run hot and get easy matchups and whatever, but it's mostly the quality of decks you go against at an FNM that are the concern if you want quality testing. But some people have really competitive FNMs where they do have players with a lot of those really powerful meta decks. So it depends on your area. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, that was my main problem with, with the question is that I think it's all like context because I've played FNMs that are like complete fucking garbage time and I've played FNMs where I went against like, you know, Mono red aggro, like good build, Rectos mid range, round three Niftalite, round four Winoda, right? And it was mm. like played by competent players. And I was like, this could have absolutely been four rounds of an RCQ. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I think in that way it's very context dependent. I think generally, like as a rule of thumb, 
I do think FNMs are a good way to test your deck in the sense of testing the deck itself. So maybe you've made some changes, maybe you've changed the mana, maybe you've changed the curve, and you just want to be playing against something that's a little bit more than a goldfish. And, you know, you want to see if the Excel sheet actually translates to the real world. And that's where I think FNMs are, like, totally functional, right? And they're a little more adequate than, like, kitchen table best of one magics against a friend, right? That's, I think, where they're definitely a step up. Because they're, like, real magic, you're playing for something, so everyone's maybe, even if they're on jank decks, they're probably trying. So, like, just seeing how your wheels spin is probably, like, fine to go to an FNM. Though I will say, again, just that five number i found it a little funny in a way that if you go to an rcq or like an event that has five rounds and you're saying well it's easy to get three favorite it's relatively easy to get three favorable matchups and then just draw on the top eight but it's like how many people at an event actually do that yeah like how how off how common is it for people to go like three three oh intentional draw intentional draw i'm in top eight now that has to be like one person tops in like even if it's like a 30 people event or something like i can't imagine it's that common and if you get and like even if it's an RCQ, four it's favorable matchups yeah and if you get three or four favorable matchups and you just id the rest of the top eight well you probably pick the right deck then which meant you got yeah, favorable yeah. matchups because like you anticipated the meta well so like that and doesn't it even matter if it was six rounds or not. Yeah, exactly. So I I wouldn't get too stuck up on like, you know, oh I'm wanna test. Oh, but it's a five round event, so it's not gonna matter for testing. Like I think that's that's trying to find like a a like rule within mm -hmm. testing, and I don't think you should be doing that. I think it's all context matters more than like rules of thumb for like what makes for better good testing yeah agreed all right so the last question and this is a uh, not magic related from bridger also a completed elk oh god the phyrexians they're coming um did you see that potential spoiler spoiler of shieldred like the five drop i was like that card can't be can't be real it's too good anyway otherwise we go on a tangent for that last question from the mailbag brad who is sexier, Brawny Paper Towel Man or Mr. Clean? Okay, this is not as easy as you think because I'm, I'm going to have to give you some evidence, Alex, okay? Because there are a few different renditions of our Brawny Paper Towel Man. Here's the one from, like, the mid-2000s and stuff. Here's the more recent one that you don't even see the full face. And then here's the one from the... 80s, 90s, 70s kind of thing. So, it depends on which one you're talking about. Now, let's go ahead and get Mr. Clean. Our bald right, so, so just, So, just for the record, because the people can't, you know, they can't see his picture. The first version of the broad is basically just like, how do I describe it? It's just like, buff dude and like, um... What do you call that? Like Forrester? Like, what do you call the people who... Lumberjack. Like, in Lumberjack t t And the second version is just that, but you can't see the face. And the third version is like some Steve Ehrman looking motherfucker with a mustache. 
Like, that's the only way I can describe it. And then Mr. Clean is just creepy, creepy, like, how do you call it? Like, airbrushed man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it has to be the brawny guy, right? Because, like, he's got the chiseled jawline. They both Um, look like they have a criminal record. Like, yeah, but, but, but here's the thing. Um, I'd be okay with the brawny guy having a criminal record because that gives him some like nice edge to him to like add to the appeal. Mr. Clean having the the criminal record makes me think, oh, he's a pedophile. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like like Mr. Clean gives me strong like this is like the character that is under the scream mask and robes. Like that's the vibe <laughs> I get of Mr. Clean. Like if scream yeah. if they like pull off the mask, it's just Mr. Clean. <laughs> like he absolutely yeah, I, I think creeps me out when i see it's more like mr creep for me when i see him in commercials i didn't know this brawny guy but he just looks like you know you'd show up to the supermarket and then he just like hits on your mom or something like just like a guy you would fi- a, a guy you would f- like a, a guy you would very much wish was not in your life but he is like that's that's the vibes i get of him but i guess he is sexier in the sense that like if I see Mr. Clean, it makes me want to, like, like just run. And this brawny guy doesn't make me immediately want to run away. Like, I might yeah. after the first sentence, he says, but I wouldn't do it immediately. And if I spot Mr. Clean at the other side of a parking lot, I'm, like, beelining for whatever is furthest away from him. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's going to do it for our mailbag segment. And uh, that's going to do it for the episode. I think that's a good note to land on. And finish on <laughs> is, uh, we deemed that Mr. Brawny, the Bronster, the Braun dude, is the sexier of the mascots of the cleaning world between Mr. Clean and Brawny Towels. And that's easy. I think that, that's an easy argument. And, uh, yeah. So, again, thank you guys so much for listening. You already heard our ad read. Don't need to do that again. We love you. We appreciate you. Your support means a lot to us. And we hope you listen to us ramble again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.